Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to the proceedings. This is the programme you've heard people talk about. They've sort of said, have you heard that programme? Generally speaking, it's other people in the business. And I always go, no, I've never, what's it like? They go, well, you must go home and listen to it one day. So I took seven days off and I went home and listened to it. It didn't sound at all like me. It was ridiculous. And then I only just discovered that the best of Steve Allen on Saturday morning was an in-conversation. Nobody tells me anything. Else. I'm a stranger around here. So Peter Kay cancels everything. 112 dates. I mean, this, as far as I'm concerned, it's about the biggest thing that I've talked about for a long while because he's not said what it is. He's just said it's family. We don't know if there's an illness. We, uh, we have no idea. You can speculate, you can guess. But if Peter Kay cancels 112 dates, let me tell you, it's something pretty, pretty serious. In his life, it must be the most serious thing that's ever happened. He's not only cancelled all the dates, uh, all his future work, he's cancelled. And everybody's saying, is he OK, please? The bad news is, if you didn't buy your ticket through a reputable agency, you've lost your money. Okay, I only tell you that now because I spoke to loads of people that the moment the tickets went on sale, I had people saying, do you know any way we can get tickets? I said, listen, I I really wish I did. But, you know, I only do the usual route for tickets for things like that. And um, and so a lot of people did go and buy them through uh, what are laughingly called touts nowadays. So in other words, uh, I could be a tout. I'm not, but I I could be a tout. I could go out and the tickets go on sale and I, I phone up and go, I want a thousand tickets. Or I employ a load of people to go and buy tickets for me or queue up for me or whatever. And so I just hypothetically, I've got four tickets to go and see Peter Kay, their top price seats. And um, and I put them up on eBay and somebody goes, listen, I can't I can't get seats. So wait a minute. There's two two lots of two here. They're looking for a thousand pounds for two tickets to hell with it. I want to go and see Peter Kay. It's been eight years. Let's go see him. So I contact the tout because it's somebody secondary selling. OK, that makes you a tout if you're secondary selling and um and so i pay my thousand pounds to this person i've now got two tickets for peter k fantastic not knowing that the show is going to be cancelled and of course you know as with all these things don't worry you get your money back except you don't you don't get your money back you've paid a third person for the ticket he's bought them from an agency he's now selling them to you so it's sort of its first second person so you've paid your £1,000. You think you're going to get your £1,000 back? Forget it. You get nothing back. But the good news is that the tout... Why they've not closed this legal loophole? I've got no idea. The tout not only gets your £1,000, but he gets his money back on the tickets. So if it was, you know, tickets worth £100 each, he gets £200 back, but he's got your £1,000, and you can't do anything about it. Nothing. You haven't got a leg to stand on. So I feel sorry for people who've been, you know, taken to task... And unfortunately have lost out a huge amount of money. And some people might even have paid more money. I, don't, I mean, I really don't know. I'm not too sure whether or not people would sort of, you know, go out there and spend a £1,000 on a pair of tickets. They might. You might go and spend a 1000 quid on a pair of tickets because you might want to go and see Peter Kay. But if you didn't buy them from Source, you didn't get them from maybe the agency that was uh, contracted to sell the tickets in the first place, you are basically screwed. Okay, so you can't get your money. You can't take them to court. You can't do anything at all. It's like me saying, look, look what I found in the studio. I found a keyboard. You want to buy it? I've got a keyboard. Okay, 50 quid. 50 quid. Get this 50 quid. And you you say, right, that's a brilliant idea, Steve. I'll buy your keyboard for 50 quid. So you buy my keyboard for 50 quid and then I leave LBC. 
And you go, what about me 50 quid? And I go, whistle, whistle for it. You're not getting your money back. You're not getting your money back on PDK tickets unless they were sold directly to you from the agency appointed. Yeah, I'm, I'm not allowed. Do you know something? I must, I must tell you a story, actually. <laughs> Happened a long, long time ago at LBC. And we had somebody who was a bit of a fan of LBC who worked here. It's a long, long time. I'm not sure I should tell you this story, actually. I can't remember I should tell you. Old Albert, it's Christmas. Anyway, so we're in the stable. There's Mary Joseph, the three nutty wise men and some donkeys and all the rest of it. Anyway, this, this bloke was, was a big fan of LBC. And he worked for LBC. Unfortunately, he liked LBC so much, he decided to recreate a studio at home. From here. And so, day by day, day by day, he was taking bits of the studio. You'd come in and there'd be a microphone missing. Or you'd come in and there'd be a speaker missing or something. And you'd be, where's it all going? It all started going, and and we was nobody knew that this this stuff was was going at all. It, it sort of and it got to the stage when all of a sudden the television vanished, and somebody said, "Where well, where's all this gone?" It was in his house. Yes, yes, it's it's just unbelievable. Yes, unbelievable that the studio systematically went bit by bit. It's like sort of you know coming in and I don't know. I nearly said working in a brothel and coming and discovering your underwear has gone. I thought it'd be a bit pointless anyway, wouldn't it, really, if you were working in a brothel? Who really cares? But, uh, well, they probably do, actually. I don't know. You have to start off dressed and then you go, da-da, and they go, seen it. You know, and then you sort of move on to something else. And so he systematically removed a studio, which I thought was hilarious. Well, I didn't actually because I didn't know anywhere to broadcast from. Anyway, aside from that, so going back to the Peter K tickets... If you bought from a tout and you paid a lot of money, if you paid over face value, you've lost it. Because the ticket money only goes back to the person who bought the original ticket, OK? So that's what the law is, you know, and you can't get round it. Because they should have closed that legal loophole off a long time ago, but they didn't. So the person who wins is the touts. What I'm concerned about is, and, and as interested as anybody else is, what's the matter with Peter Kay? That's what people want to know. He's on the front pages of a, of a few papers this morning. He's apologised. He said it's, it's family. But we don't... I, I don't know what that meant. Well, I understand what family is quite clearly, but I don't know what's the matter with him. And people worry because he likes work. This tour sold out. 112 dates went like that, you know. A bit like going to a Steve Allen show, you know. <laughs> And, you know, sells out. No, admittedly not the same size venue. I'm not doing the O2 as yet. But uh, merely time. Merely time. And um, and he's just said, I'm so sorry. And 1.7 million fans are going, are you OK? But he's he's kind of withdrawn into himself. So we don't know if it's a problem with him. We don't know if it's a problem with a member of his family. We, we just don't know. All we know is he's not doing any of the shows and he's cancelled all future work. So it's got to be something big. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't make these statements. You know, when this show sold out and these shows weren't till next year, you know, people have, have bought them for Christmas presents. In fact, there's probably a lot of you listening who are thinking, but I bought tickets for my mum and dad to go and, I know, a producer did exactly the same. But luckily he bought from, you know, a source Ticketmaster, so he, he can go back to Ticketmaster and he gets his money back. And you should get the booking fee back and all the rest of it. You should, in fact, get everything. But uh, imagine the, the venues that were all booked up with Peter Kay shows, all looking forward. The merchandise would have been printed already. There would be merchandise. I'm assuming there'd be T-shirts. I don't know what he sells at his gigs. I'm assuming there must be a whole raft of stuff that you would buy because that's how they make money on these tours. All that stuff would have been organised, if not done already, and sitting in warehouses, in boxes, ready to be taken. It's a huge operation. 
You know, you do, even even the little Steve Allen show when it goes out on the road. There's a cast of, God dear, three, three last time, three of us there were. And you go out there and it sort of, it, it takes its time. In the case of Peter Kay, I know it's only one man on stage. You've got sound, lighting, auditorium organisation. You've got sales of all the merchandise. There would be a cast of, I would think, at least 30 or 40 people on that show. That's 30 or 40 people who were looking forward to a bit of work next year, who don't have that work. Nothing to do with that. You know, they can't do anything about it. It's due to unforeseen circumstances. But you do worry, don't you? I worry. I worry about it. £85 million that tour was worth. I mean, work it out for yourself. £85 million. I'm not saying that Peter Kay, you know, needs the money because he doesn't need the money. The money doesn't come into it. I think he would be as gutted as everybody else. So it's got to be something really serious because it just came out of the blue the other day. They just said, Peter Kay cancels tour. And I thought, oh, perhaps it's... I thought Originally, I thought it was a joke. Originally, I thought, oh, he's just done... You know what Peter Kay's like? You know, ha, 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 kind of thing. And then I suddenly realised that it was quite serious and he issued a statement and he... Uh, and he's decided that uh, he's not doing anything. So, he's ca- so his diary is completely cleared. For how long, I do not know. But I'm sure that at some point, you know, news will leak out over what it is. And then perhaps all those people cynically going at the moment, oh, he's just cancelled. There's no reason why I would want to cancel it. He loves working. He loves it. It's like me taking time off for illness. I don't take, ask anybody. I don't take time off for illness. I, I can't bear the idea. I get really cross. If I, if I become sick or, you know, lose my voice or become a bit throaty or whatever else, it really annoys me. I get, you know, to the point of, of really getting cross. You know, I woke up early last night. I went to bed early because I got to that stage. I thought, God, I'm knackered. So I went to bed. And uh, when I woke up, and I did wake up at probably about 11 o'clock last night. And I do what I always do when I first... I don't ask me why. You know, when you ever get a sore throat, and this is still a little bit sore, as you can probably hear. You know, sometimes I can go uh, actually quite deep if I uh, really put it. The show can become quite butch. Yes, a little bit of Roger Moore there. You know that. And I uh, said to Steve uh, when I was in there with him. You know, and all of a sudden, it's, it's another voice I've added to the repertoire. That's three now we've got for this year, which is very exciting. But uh, and so I always wake up and I always sort of be like, la, 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 la. And it sounds crap. La, 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 la. It still sounds crap. La, 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 la. And you see how high you can go. Because, you know, being being a radio presenter, I know... I know I laughed as well, but anyway, it's uh, it's one of those jobs that if you don't have a voice, you can't really do it very well. And so I sat there last night and I'm thinking, oh, please make the voice come back. Please, God, if there is a God, just give me my voice back just for about another month or so. And then I'll, I'll take a little bit of a break. But uh, I thought I don't do breaks. <laughs> I'll try to compensate for the time off. And uh, so I uh, had, had a cup of tea and the voice came back a little bit more. And I found, I mean, it, it sounds really stupid, but you do worry about it. Because sometimes you get people sort of saying, ah, have you tried this? Have you tried that? What I need to bring in is my steamer. I've got a little steamer at home, which is, uh, which is specifically to keep air moist. So if you've got central heating, which I have, and it, it's particularly good central heating, because you literally put it on within 10 minutes, the sweat is pouring off you. I mean, it's absolutely boiling. I don't mind, because I don't wear many clothes at home. I'm just telling you this now, in case you want to break in. But it's one of those sort of things. So I sat there, and I thought, I'll put my steamer on. But then I forgot about it. And it's a tiny little unit. And you put a bottle of water into it, just a normal little bottle, like uh, that one there. I hate doing that. Whenever I do that, I've had people writing in saying, don't, don't talk about water on air, because it makes us want to get out of bed and go to toilet. You know, and so... Must have really annoy you this morning. And, uh, and so I've got this little steamer, and you put the thing in, and you turn it on, and the water comes through, and it turns into steam. And it's actually really, really good. 
It's actually really good. Oh, somebody sent that in. Oh, yeah, somebody has just sent in a spoiler of the Star Wars film. Unfortunately, you're banned. You've been taken off the system. Mind you, you know, did it the other day, don't you? Holly Willoughby. Holly Willoughby did it. She's interviewing John... Is it John Bodega? Boy, Boyega. Oh, sorry, Boyega. Not very good at my pronunciation. I don't know anything about Star Wars. It's just... It's in a galaxy far, far away or something, and people... Oh, no, is that the Starship Enterprise? Is that a different ship? Oh, that's Star Trek, is it? How many star... A Millennium Falcon? Oh! How exciting, ladies and gentlemen. With its own gay bar, I should imagine, on board. Can you imagine? I mean, because some of these aliens look a bit suspect, don't they? And we're going around there. You think to yourself, you're looking a bit gay. There's got to be... I mean, by the law of averages. You know, I mean, Star Wars has got some of those troopers. Have you seen them? Mints. Oh, struth. Da, 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 da. And then you try and work out which one is William and which one's Harry. <laughs> They'll be the ones not in time with anybody else. So, uh, yeah, no, no spoilers, please. And John Boyega... Uh, Holly, Holly Willoughby says this thing and he says, what are you saying? And she went, because she doesn't know. She's just been given a list of things. Um, uh, but it's it's public knowledge. I didn't think it was, actually. I didn't think it was. So she did a... Sp- I mean, I've done that before. I told you the other day who'd actually uh, left Strictly Come Dancing. Unfortunately, I was at home when I did it to myself and nobody heard it. Nobody heard it at all, but I, I, I did whisper it. Because I like doing things like that. I think that's funny. I'm not under any any obligation to try and protect some sort of BBC tatty old show with a few half-baked celebrities. There's no law in my contract that says I can't tell you who's out of something. It's like telling you who's out of the jungle. We knew Ian Lee was going to be third. I mean, it was common knowledge. Everybody knew he wasn't going to make it to the to the winning thing. You were going to go for that bimbo girl. You know, the one who thinks she's all posh and all the rest of it. But obviously she can't be that posh because she needed 13 grand. 13,000 quid you can get her for. And that's for a few weeks' work. It's not a bad rate, is it? Obviously, she's got a crap agent. I mean, that must be the worst rate ever. How much can we get George Toffolo for? Oh, she'll do it for a quid. Sorry? Yeah, she, she's really cheap, really cheap. Well, I mean, how, about, uh, how about if we offer um, 10? Oh, no, she won't do it for 10. 12? No, no. <laughs> Wouldn't get out of bed for 12. Um, 13? Yeah, she'll do it for 13. Oh, OK. So 13,000 quid, old Toffee. She turns up there and does the old posh bird bit. This is the father, who, uh, this is the daughter whose father's a rag and bone man. Talk about elevating yourself in the social circle, dear. Honestly, you're not fooling me anymore. I know what you are. Rag and bone! Okay, out she is. You can see her on the back of a cart, can't you? Well, that's a fantasy I admit for many people, but uh, no, um, seriously, you know, she'd be sitting there handing out, you know, she'd like to win a balloon or something, you know, give us some rag and bones. That's what they used to do years ago. That's what the uh, Step and Son was based on. It was based on uh, the two. Father and son, very odd combination. Toffolo and... It could be Toffolo and sons, couldn't it? Toffolo and son. But every time I look at her, I think, you know... And then her mother appeared on television. She wasn't all that either. She wasn't that posh. All these people are supposed to be, you know, we're really posh and all the rest of it. Yeah, so much so your daughter's on a reality show with a load of people talking about who they bedded the week before. I mean, if you're not slept with Spencer Matthews, you might as well give up and go home. God in heaven, he seems to have slept with most of Chelsea. I've avoided the area. I'm telling you, I'm going nowhere near it. I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him. At the moment, Spencer Matthews, he's really intelligent. Uh, he, um, he, uh, he's, he's bedding this model, Vogue. I saw her on the television. She's not the brightest penny in the box either. I've seen some of these models. They go, oh, look, here's Vogue Williams. And we all go, wow, it's another model. It's like whenever they say, oh, look, and here's Emily Ratajkowski. And they go, oh, what does she do? And you go, she's a Victoria's Secret model. Oh, she's an underwear model. 
Oh, you can find pages of them in America, generally in phone boxes. You know, they sort of sit Fredericks of Hollywood, and they're those sort of models. So when you get old Toffee in the jungle, and she's in there for 13 grand, and she at least could string two words together, Amir Khan, I've never met such a dipstick. Sorry, have, have we ever had a female prime minister? What? Where are you from, dear? Where are you from? The one at the moment's a woman... Woman, I know you might not think so, but Margaret Thatcher, woman, woman. I mean, seriously, he was more Neanderthal than I ever imagined anybody could ever be. And then you've got everybody in there. You've got uh, Rebecca Vardy, now called Becky. Anything less like a Becky, I think uh, you'd be hard pushed to find. She's a woman desperate for some sort of attention or anybody looking at her. So her career's finished because I don't think the public liked her. They got her out really quickly. And at the end of the day, it's an entertainment it's like this programme. This is an entertainment. You might not agree with everything, but to be honest with you, there's no point in shouting into the radio. It's not a phone-in. We don't do that kind of thing. It's not that, you know, you, you can write in and you can text, you can email, but uh, we don't do... Don't, don't write the stupid emails, you know, from the thickos going, why does everybody else do a phone-in, but Steve Allen doesn't do a phone-in? Because I can't be bothered. It's as simple as that. I can't be bothered. The producer hasn't got the energy, you know, to talk to people, you know, at this time of the morning. He's been doing it all night. This is their rest period. This is the bit of the day where we can sort of put our feet up. Got my little tree in the studio. It is a very little tree, actually. In fact, it's a rather sad, limp little tree, isn't it? It's very sad. It's very sad. It's got one little decoration on it. Well, actually, no, I've just seen some balls. It's got baubles on it, I've just noticed, actually. But it's, it's not, not the biggest tree I've ever seen. That was four quid. Was that including the lights and the decoration? Oh, right. Oh, the tree was four quid. God, we've pushed the boat out. Actually, there are a lot of people in this building this morning. I'm not one of them who are suffering with slight, let's just call it headaches. You know why? They've been to the company party. They've been there. You can tell they've been to the company party because everybody glams themselves up. People, you know, go out their way. to. Whereas I don't. I didn't go to the party, mainly because I have to work, and also because there's lots of loud music, and that's for younger people, not for people like me. I'm the more sit-in-the-corner, jigsaw, cup of cocoa. In fact, I did go into a place the other day, when I went to the hospital to get my eyes done, and to be told that they're going to do the cataracts, which is great, because I'll finally see what the boss looks like and everybody else. So I've got no, at the moment, everybody looks like, you know, sort of a, a fictional character out of history, because they're all sort of swathed in this sort of awful mist. Uh, and I went in there... And I'm not very good with, with crowds. I'm not very good with loads of sort of people. I don't like being touched. I really don't like being touched. If I'm in a queue for something and, and, I was, and they go, yeah, it's like going to McDonald's in the morning. Have you been there? Can I help you? Can I help you? Wait, I'm looking at the menu. Don't shout at me. I'll let you know when I'm ready. OK, I'm going to. Can I help you? Wait. I'm going to have, um, oh, God, I don't know. Double sausage double egg McMuffin. I haven't finished. I haven't finished yet. So I, I don't go to a place like that. Anyway, so I go to the canteen little thing in the in the hospital. And they're, they're going, yes, yes, there's two old biddies in front of me. And one, you know when people start arguing over who's paying? Oh, dear me. So you've got mother and daughter. Daughter was probably about 55, 60. Mother, anywhere between 90 and death. And they're sort of standing there. And I thought, she's never going to make it. By the time this cheese toasty turns up, she's going to be toast. And so they start doing their, their coffee. What do you want, Mum? Do you want, do you want milk in that? Cow's milk, goat milk, what do you want? Lima milk, what do you want? Uh, I'll, I'll pay for it. No, I'm going to pay for it. No, I'll pay. I'm, in the end, I said, why don't you both shut up? I'll pay for it. And so, and so she, she, she's still there. And then the woman sort of looks over them to me. And I'm standing there trying to look, you know, anything but the person who can't really see what I'm looking at anyway. So I go, um, and I couldn't think of anything. I didn't want a coffee. So I had a hot chocolate. So I said, oh, I'll have a hot chocolate. And then they confuse you. 
small, medium or large. And I think, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. That's private business. I only tell that to the doctors. Only because they've asked nicely. Mind you, when I did do the burns, I mean, I was the first one with the trousers down. There was no asking me twice. Normally, you have to be asked, don't you? Would you like to take your shirt off? <laughs> not me. In my vest and pants, in the corner, immediately. And so I'm there and I go, I go for the hot chocolate. And it was, it was really nice. It was actually really, really nice. But she filled it so full. And I can't do really, really full drinks because, I, because I've got slight tremor or tremble, I think, as they call it. And so generally I start off with a nice cup of tea in the kitchen. By the time I get back to my desk, there's about sort of a mouthful left in the cup. And so she gives me this cup of cocoa and it was right to the top. And I thought, what the hell? And so I said, please don't start trembling on the way to the table. And so I said, I said, you couldn't mind just putting it on the table for me, could you? So very kindly, she put it on the table. So that was good. And I had a cheese and ham toasty, which I thought was quite good, actually. I was quite pleased with myself. I managed to actually get the toasty and the, co- and the cocoa was lovely. It really was very nice. But it's probably really bad for you. It's probably got loads of calories. But I didn't care. I didn't care. I was having a nice time. And then when they said, well, we're going to do your cataracts, I, f- I felt like celebrating. But you know, when you're sitting at a table and other people always come past, they go, is anybody sitting here? And I always go, yes. And they look around and I go, they're very small. You know, why do people ask such stupid questions? Is there anybody sitting here? No, of course there's not, you know, unless you're blind. So uh, all in all, it's been quite nice. And then we, um, and then yesterday we had a very nice programme, but I did lose my voice halfway through the interview at the end of it. And I made the faux pas of all faux pas. Oh dear, I mispronounced a guest's name. Uh, And I really felt awful about it. (laughs) I introduced the guest yesterday, who was lovely. And I entered, I said, Mark Gattis. And he said, Gatis. And I went, I'm so sorry. It's never happened to me before. Never happened to me before in all the years of interviewing loads and loads of people. It's never, ever happened before. But it happened yesterday. And, uh, and then halfway through the interview, my voice decided to, uh, to give up the ghost and go off wandering by itself. It was like on walkabout. But uh, anyway, we had a lovely chat. And hopefully you'll be hearing that this weekend for In Conversation. Because we talked about Christmas films, League of Gentlemen, uh, Doctor Who. League of Gentlemen's coming back. There's a new three episodes, which is coming back. And you've got Doctor Who, which is in. And next year, they're touring League of Gentlemen, including Australia. So we talk about that. We talk about his favourite Christmas films. We talk, we talk about tonnes and tonnes of stuff. And it was, it was, at one point, he said to me, he said, you're crying. Because we started, to, I know, it's a bit, I'm a, I'm a bit weak in that department, I'm afraid. Anything to do with Christmas films. And he had his favourite Christmas films. And then he told me about one that I hadn't heard of. And I told him about one that he hadn't heard of. And uh, all in all, it, it was lovely. But when I got in, I thought, I've got to save my, uh, my throat. Got to be saved a bit more than it is at the moment. So when I got up last night, as I say, going back to the original story 25 minutes ago. Have we not done the break? Have we not? Oh, right. What we'll do, we'll take a very, sh- I'm sorry about this. There's no point in relying on this programme if you're trying to catch a bus, a train, a tube or anything else because you're going to miss the blooming thing, OK? So either you're going to have to podcast the programme later or you're just going to have to accept the fact that phone up sick. I can't make it today. Do, do that. Do that sort of fibbing one. I tried it last week, except I really was ill. And that doesn't happen very often. So I'll tell you now, just in case anybody's listening, it's, um, it's not really. But I'm just going to just make this up. This is for the purposes of the tape. It's uh, quarter past four. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I should explain, actually, for those people who've never heard this programme before, it's a slightly unusual radio programme. It's not like your usual ho-hum, here we go, head in the clouds, arty-crafty kind of thing. It's not like that. It's just, it's, yes, you know, we, we don't sort of say, oh, what's your favourite biscuit? What's your favourite Christmas cat? We don't do that kind of thing. This is not BBC Local Radio. As you've probably gathered, it's somebody here with an opinion. 
BBC Local Radio is, oh, look, people have died in other countries. Anyway, moving on now, the vicar's with us from the local church, and he'll be running through the Sunday services for you. You know, we don't do that kind of thing. What's your favourite smell? You know, and the answer is, who cares? Because it's the same thing all the time. It's what's commonly known as a, as a lazy standby. You know, people do that. Oh, it's like Christmas. You can guarantee there'll be Christmas Day phone-ins on BBC local radio stations around the country. The sooner they go, the better, and we'll have more money to spend on something else. Like an extra person on the BBC Breakfast Show. Have you noticed? They have people for doing everything. You have somebody on doing the sport. Why the presenters can't do sport? No, only reading an auto cue. It's not blooming difficult. Who cares whether they know what they're talking about? Just read the thing, love, all right? Then you've got a bloke and a woman. They all seem to earn different amounts of money. Then you've got the northern woman with all the teeth who looks like Muffin the Mule. Is What's her name? Death McGovern. Oh, Steph McGovern. Do beg your pardon. Death McGovern. Actually, Death McGovern. Might... She does the business. Here. But now they've started using her for other things. And you think, what a... She was, have I got news? What a waste of money. Stop trying to develop a personality, dear. It's not there. OK? Anyway, and then they've got the weather girl. The, the oldest weather girl in living memory. They obviously go to the cemetery. They dig her up every morning. They replaster the face, and out she comes. Here she is, Carol, desperately trying to. But should I, should I? Oh, honestly, call Paul Smith. Oh, the Scottish mafia come in there. So Paul Smith gets all uppity now. Of course, Ollie will not know a thing of what's going on at the moment. Ollie will be sitting out there. You know, it's, how did the party go, Ollie? You know, not a clue. Anyway, so, but it's, it's how many people do you need to present a news programme on the television? It's just, you know, Nick Ferrari manages very well by himself in the morning. Thank you very much indeed. He can read sports news. He can read news. He can do the interviews. On the BBC, I counted it the other day. They did about two minutes into the programme before they linked to somebody else. What a waste of money. A waste of my money, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, who needs a weather person? I mean, seriously. <clears throat> I'm getting myself all excited now. And then poor old Steph, you know, to sort of introduce the element of northernness into the programme. And then there's a, a woman who reads the uh, sports news. There's normally a bloke on there, but he's obviously been pensioned off or something, and they've sort of moved him inside. But how many people do you need to do a programme? And that's not including the cast list of thousands who seem to work on these programmes. You know, and here's the weather. What did we do the other day with her? They shoved her down to Winter Wonderland. Unfortunately, she came back. She found her way back. She's like a homing weather person. <laughs> and you think to yourself, who gives us stuff? It's the weather. I can tell you now, it's cold outside. What else do you want to know? What else do you want to know? It's going to be minus three. So? So? God in heaven, honestly. I think weather people are the most overrated people in the entire universe. Get rid of all of them. Make, make the blooming presenters do something for their money. Yeah, look out the window. What does it look like out there? It looks cold and it's wet. That's the weather. OK. In Carol's sake, there she is standing there wearing another luxurious outfit. They've got one on GMB as well. It's just ridiculous. And then all the regional ones. OK, let's now cross to somebody in your region. Hello. It's going to be really wet today. Really, really, really wet. Good. Drives you mad, doesn't it, really? Not on this programme. I do everything. I can read the news. I can I can read my links. I, oh, I'm late for the news now. I can do all these other things. I don't need somebody to sort of, you know, to help me through it. just need somebody to mainly tell me when to get off and sort of go on to something else. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 
Oh, it's going to be a lovely sunny day today, up north. Well, let's all go up north then, shall we? Waste far too much money on weather, as far as I'm concerned. I think you could bring it all down. If you wanted to save money at the BBC, and of course they're very good at wasting your money, aren't they? My God, if you look, look at the cast list on the end of every programme on the BBC. Works on ITV, but you don't have to pay for that. That kind of comes free with the adverts. The BBC managed to weave the adverts in. Oh, look, here's Carol down at Wimbledon. Oh, are we covering Wimbledon? Of course we are. You know, it's ridiculous, honestly. I mean, some of the interviews last as long as three minutes, if you really push it. And sometimes it's just, it's, it's painful to watch. Very painful. They'll all be getting themselves ready now. Oh, we're doing makeup and hair. What are we doing today on the show? And they'll all sit down there, pretending it's like rocket science. You know, whereas if you want to really watch how to do it, look at ITV. You know, that's what we like. to. So people like that kind of presentation. That's why Nick Ferrari does so well in the morning on LBC, because people like, all you want to be told is what's going on. I'm not interested in what somebody's wearing or whether Carol Kirkwood's standing in a bloody field in Shropshire at minus 12. I couldn't care less. And then they go, oh, and 13 years. Who cares? Who cares? Nobody's interested. Get on with it. It's rubbish, isn't it? I'd like, to, I'd like to do a voiceover on the news programme whereby they start working. And somebody goes, and uh, first of all, we get boring. First of all, we're going to cross over to our boring, boring, do something different. Okay, so, and now we've got these... Who's interested in sport in the morning? Nobody's interested in sport in the morning. Nobody cares. What's... I don't care whether your other half is a sports journalist. I mean, that's only what you've been told by him. I don't think it's true anyway. (laughs) Weather... Oh, it's really difficult. Here's, Here's blue screen. Oh, look, this is fluffy bits coming in. Weather... Shut up. Shut up. It's rubbish. It's rub- they just, they make it up. They make it up. Yes, they do. They so make it up. It comes in, you open a Christmas cracker, it goes, today it's going to be wet with a few sunny spells. I can tell you that today. Today will be, look, they analyse charts. The hell they do. Do you think Carol sits down with her bad eyesight in the morning and goes, oh, what, what's that? And they go, actually, it's a sandwich wrapper, dear. You know, <laughs> can you read that, Carol? Yeah, well, we all talk to the Met Office, don't we? I talk to the Met Office every morning. Hello, is that the Met Office? No. Is it Psychic Sally? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's what we make. There's a man who comes on LBC and he reads fur cones. And he, he will tell you what the weather's going to be like by looking at a fur cone. I could tell what the weather's going to be like looking at you, Mr. Smith. It's going to be very wet today, very wet and clammy. Okay? Just telling you that now. I bet I'm not wrong. I bet by this afternoon we'd be flinging our shirts off and going, whoa, it's going to be really hot today. Really hot. Yeah, weather presenting is a skill. So is putting Lego together as well. That's a fair skill, isn't it? Have you seen the people stacking the cups? That's a skill too. Decorating this tree is a skill. Reading an auto cue is not a skill. It's reading somebody else's words. Somebody else's... Listen, you can't justify it to me. I'm over 35 years old. I'm telling you now, I've been around since Francis Wilson and his fluffy white bits. I know all about these sort of things. It's not a skill at all. It, it might be for the people who do it originally, where they do the charts and all. But they're always wrong. They get, I mean, we all remember, don't we, the BBC? Well, some woman's phoned up the BBC and said there's going to be a storm. Well, I don't think there is, you lying old baggage. Of course there was. Worst storm we've ever had. I mean, how blooming useless do you need to be? Ooh, somebody's phoned up the BBC to say, up here, there's a storm on the way. Next thing, we all get up there, trees uprooted. Most of the trees round our way, you should know this, because there's big holes in the ground where they were. Supercomputer, honestly. Yeah, I've got a supercomputer, I'm holding it. It's my telephone, that's a supercomputer. What does it say for today? Wet. There you go. What more do you need to know? You don't need to know anything else. It doesn't matter. 
Either you're going to go out with your little sou'wester on and your little little umbrella with the elephants around the outside, which you like, which match the Wellington boots I bought you last Christmas. You know, and you walk down there. Seriously, you walk down, you've never said anything like it. It's like the world of Christopher Robin and Br'er Rabbit. It really is. We're all out there, aren't we? We sometimes go and sit in a, in a bookshop in Twickenham and listen to stories about Jemima Puddle Duck and things like that. Don't, don't deny it. I've been there with him. Seriously, he would drag me. He will drag me, in between trying to kill me, he will drag me into Waterstones. He's going, come, they're doing stories. And we sit down, and there's another load of five-year-olds in there. And so we're sitting on these little tiny stools on the ground. I can barely get up again from them, my back's so bad. And we sit down, and they go, and today's story, and the look on his face. I'm going to film it and show you, and then put it up on the internet. Seriously, it's like a child. So would I have a lie? Absolutely not. That's a disgraceful thing to say. I might tell an exaggeration. I don't tell lies. I never call them lies. My mother used to say, we never called them lies in our house. I might have embellished a story. I don't call it lying. If I was telling anything, it would be a fib. And I had my fingers crossed as well at the same time. It doesn't count. There you go. That means you exonerated yourself. No good looking at me like that. You're still not having sausage and batter later on today. OK. <laughs> so he's, he's uh, why are you defending Carol anyway? Well, because... Oh, that means everybody from Scotland's nice, is it? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yes, everybody from Scotland is absolutely marvellous. Just every single person. They're not. They're not. I hate to tell you this, but they're just not. You know that. She's she's a very old lady who's lucky to be working reading an auto cue. OK, that's all I'm telling you. It's, oh, oh, she's remembered it, has she? Yeah, because she looks up in the sky and goes, oh, I wonder what that looks like. Rain, dear. Looks like rain. No, of course not, no. No, they don't never use auto-cue. No, never use it. People are holding up boards, aren't they? They're holding up boards. Don't start shouting at me. If you start taking that tone, no Wellington's an umbrella today. You're just going to get wet, aren't you? Yeah. No. They just hold up boards, don't they, so she can remember. Is, uh, is she wearing an earpiece? Hello, hello, Carol. <whistles> Carol, three, three, two, one. OK, coming up now, it's going to be 13 degrees today. So today's going to be 13 degrees. God, honestly, you must think I fell out of a coconut tree. God, you know how it works. Don't shout at me. He's become very aggressive. Ever since I said to him, I'm not buying you a Christmas present this year, it's gone haywire. Seriously. Never known anything like it. And then he said to me, he said, do you want the same as last year? I thought, what, penicillin? And, um, and so that's another embellishment or an exaggeration, whichever way you want to look at it this morning. I'm feeling in a very good mood, actually, and you're at the end of it. <laughs> go, 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 go. Go and put some clothes on and go home. Somebody somewhere loves you. Although I can't think of anybody off the top of my head at the moment. <laughs> oh dear. I'm so rubbish with my time checks this morning. So rubbish with the time checks. Right, should we do some texts and emails? We do that on this programme. It's like that. We like to sort of involve... I must thank uh, the people who've been sending in cards and uh, presents. Presents. I mean, seriously, presents like presents. So, you know, and I will try and thank as many people as possible as we go through the programme, because, uh, you know, if somebody takes the time and trouble to go out and buy something for you and then wraps it and then sends it in, I think that's quite a nice thing to do. Not everybody is, is lucky enough to get stuff like that. I'm, I'm luckier than most. I feel luckier than most. I feel luckier that the voice is slowly coming back. It's a bit iffy, as you can tell, but, you know, it's, at least we're going to get in there. Halinka yesterday sent in, and well, I only got them yesterday, uh, all these different... Some love, I mean, some really lovely, well-thought... The interesting thing about this programme is that when people send things in, 
you can tell that they've heard the programme because the presents reflect what we've spoken about. It's like, you know, when I go to Little Italy, uh, Tony Pelledri's place in, in Soho, and he does a menu, he will know what I've, what I've spoken about on the programme. So consequently, you know, uh, the, the menu will reflect what we've spoken about. And the presents coming in are people who've, who've listened very carefully and who've said, oh, we know you like this, we know you like that, and all this kind of... And so it's, it's really nice. It's very thoughtful. Thank you very much indeed. I say thank you every year. And uh, as I never quite get over the, the excitement of it. Uh, Chris, in South Birmingham. Good God, there's not a place called South Birmingham, is there? Well, does that mean there's North, East and West Birmingham? Shh. Is it quite big? And the only thing I know about Birmingham, it's got a place called the Bull Ring, a shopping centre, and it's got Spaghetti Junction. And I, that's it. I don't know anything about it at all. Are they talking footy voice? Hello, welcome to Birmingham. Yes, he says, uh, anyway, uh, Chris says, me and my dad can't stand Steph McGovern. Horrible accent and a square jaw. Common as muck. Oh, no, I don't think that. She's got very pretty hair. I used to have pretty hair, but that was a long time ago. And uh, it's just that how many people do you need to do a programme? You know, and also, if they don't have any, and they don't seem to have much of this on the BBC, so they sort of shove them all the time. I mean, I think practically the whole of The Breakfast Show has been on Strictly Come Dancing. I don't think there's anybody left apart from the new bloke who's about as wooden as Sherwood Forest. There's no sort of, there's no warmth. You know, and I, you know, when, at least when I watch, you know, the GMB programme and I watch, you know, the people there and you watch a bit of badinage, then, you know, I quite like that. It makes it a bit humour. Uh, but you don't get that on the BBC. They, they do try, but they're not allowed to have personality. Excuse me. It's a case of you really have to, to, uh, to sort of push them. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. You know, so you can have people sit. They might be very professional, you know, and all do their bit. But there's no, there's no warmth in it. I want a bit of human contact. I want somebody to sort of reach out as opposed to they're there until they do Strictly or they do a few other things. You know, and then you've got Steph, who, to be honest with you, nobody knows who she is. And they put her on, have I got news for you? I mean, that must, must have been an interesting one to watch. But uh, we agree, Steve. She's got an annoying voice from up north. You see, I don't have a problem with, with the voice. I just object to how many people do you need on a programme? It's serious, a waste of your money. It's a waste of your money. You don't need these people on there, but the BBC love wasting your money. As I say, go, go, go to the end of a programme. Watch the end of the BBC breakfast show and look at the cast list. It's absolutely unbelievable. It really is. What a waste of blooming money. Steve, as an ex-working girl, mostly in parlours, this is prostitution. You know, that's what we're talking about here. They call them parlours because it, it makes it... I don't know why parlour makes it sound a bit better. But it says here, most, I confess to a wry smile at your brothel comment and I would love to know the thought process that led to it. Don't ask me, I'm a radio presenter. How am I supposed to know that, Rachel? I don't know these things. I just come up with something because if it's funny and it's witty and it gets a smile, and that's why you had a wry smile on your face because that's how it works. It, it, it goes well like that. This is, it's this sort of programme. It's this sort of programme. So I, I never worry about it, to be honest with you. Chris in South Croydon says, do you really get down to your vest and pants for an eye test? <laughs> well, I see no reason why not. You know what they say, Steve? Little tree, little baubles. Thank you very much indeed, Lorraine. Very cruel. We don't need that kind of thing. Simon in Hackney says, I've just driven past the Christmas tree in Trafalgar Square. It looks like a fluffy leaning tower of peas with lights on it. I think the lights are rubbish. Somebody said, the, the producer said that somebody had said that that's what they're like uh, in, in Norway. Well, it's rubbish. Do them differently. Do them differently. I mean, it's very nice that Norway give us this tree every year. But to be honest with you, I'd rather have soup. 
you know, or something a bit more exciting than this tree. And I know because I brought the tree back, I know. Three days last Christmas, the BBC wasted, sorry, spent 13,000 quid on taxes. A hundred bills were filed by staff for using taxis on Christmas Day at various studios across the country, costing the broadcaster £6,528. On Boxing Day, the staff spent almost £100 on the average taxi trip to get them in and out of the studios. Can't they get there by themselves? God in heaven, they're being paid. Last year, there were 94 cab journeys on Christmas Day, 57 on Boxing Day, costing nearly 5000 quid, and 20 on New Year's Day, costing £1,127. Aren't they that blooming useless? Dear me. James Price from the Taxpayers' Alliance says transport's difficult on Christmas Day and nobody relies, nobody relishes working on it. Really? Well, don't bloody work on it then. What a miserable little so-and-so you must be. What do you mean people don't relish working on it? Loads of people love working at Christmas. What are you on about? I could walk round here on Christmas Day and i say, all right, who doesn't want to be here? And I guarantee you there'd no, be no hands up. A few people lying prostate on the floor trying to put a hand up, but no, that'd be completely different. They say that uh, the high costs are indicative of the BBC's attitudes towards spending. But uh, nobody relishes working on it. What a miserable bunch they must be. So, in other words, now they're telling you they're working on Christmas. They really don't want to be there, so they couldn't give a stuff about you at all. They're just interested in the free car in and out. Never anything like it. What a waste of money. Um, <coughs> uh, Bobby says, I'm 44 years younger and still listening. I've been a loyal listener to LBC since, uh, since a very young man. Which is good. Glad to hear you have appeared to make a uh, full recovery, says Steve. I mean, well, I'm, yes, I think so. I think so. I mean, well, I'm, I wouldn't say a full recovery, but I'm, I'm certainly getting there. I'm certainly getting there. Steve, anybody who can make me laugh this hard in the morning is a winner, says Keeley. It is true. Dean says, nice to have you back. And uh, another one here says, uh, Debbie in Gypsy Hill says, great to have you back. Thank you. And uh, Patricia says, love your show. Wouldn't get through my insomnia without you. Well, it's nice to share things like that, isn't it? I've missed a break again, haven't I? I'm just rubbish. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm, you know, when it comes to Steve Allen and time checks, you just have to accept the fact that I'm just not very good at them. I'm really not very good. I'm so looking forward to seeing what Ollie looks like sitting out on the desk. I bet he's lying there. Sorry, sitting there with his head in his hands going, oh, never again. People always say that, don't they, after a party. Because it's very difficult to go to a party and not have a few sherries. You know, because I, I, like, I like a nice glass of sherry. But I bet you anything, you go to a party nowadays, if you say, excuse me, could I have a sherry? They'll look at you like you're mad. Nobody does sherry anymore, but I'm going to make sherry as a comeback drink for Christmas. A bottle of Enver cream or, or Harvey's Bristol cream in the fridge. I said to Mark Gatiss the other day, I said, because he actually likes a sherry as well. I said, put it in the fridge. He said, really? I said, yep, absolutely. Absolutely, it's good. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Seven minutes. No, it's not. It's eight minutes to five. There you go. I told you I'm rubbish at doing... I can't do time checks. I never learnt it years ago. Well, actually, I did learn it years ago. I was thinking the other day, you know when you're very little, cast your mind back, and you have to learn your times tables. And I learnt my times tables to opal fruits. That every time I got a table right, I got an opal fruit. It was called bribery called bribery, and it worked exactly the same for doing time checks. You'd have to work out how the... T- so, it's come, so it's gone past the one, so that'll be five. Why it says one on it, God alone knows. Uh, then the next one would be six, and then seven, eight, ten. But it says two on the... Cl- I know, don't ask. And so you learn to tell the time. 
I was rubbish at that. I was absolute rubbish. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails. Debbie and Gypsy Hill. Nice to have you back. Uh, Steve, your eyes sound quite bad, says Alan. No, they're not. No, no, no. I could say. Well, put it this way. I'm looking at a screen right now. So obviously very good. Very good. And uh, no, I'm fine. My eyesight is great. Distance I'm fine on. I've just got a little bit of cataract in this eye, and that'll be cleared up very, very shortly. Jackie says, I love your show. Thank you, which uh, we uh, we like. Just wondering if your blood sugar levels allowed you to taste the homemade blackcurrant jam, says Jerry. Yes, I have to go easy on jam. Jam's very difficult for me. Very, It's one of those uh, things, as diabetics will tell you, you can't have it all the time. You go through the blooming roof. You've got to be very careful, because not only is there lots of sugar in, but uh, the sort of... Um, you know, lots of other bits and pieces. The fruit itself has got loads of sugar in. And uh, Sandra says, I was talking to your listener, the lovely Anita Harris, the other day, who informed me she wakes up with you. It's a fib. I deny it emphatically, but I know Anita and have done for many, many years. I told her you hadn't mentioned she's in Panto at South Sea by Portsmouth playing the Queen in Snow White. We agreed you should. Let's go and see Anita Harris. She's a seasoned professional. She's also Burlington Bertie. She rises at 1030 and saunters along like a toff. Oh, yes, Anita and I go back. In fact, the last time I saw her, I think, must have been at the lovely Lady Rattlings. So uh, always good to mention them on the uh, the programme. Uh, somebody says your voice is sounding a bit like Nigel Farage. What? 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 Sounding like Nigel Farage? What are you on? You've got some... Go and get them syringed. Goodness sake. Tony in Cheshire says the same. He says, if I, be- I believe if you lower your voice sufficiently and talk of Brexit, you'll sound like Nigel Farage. Berate me if you must. Listen, you start with a handicap. You're from Cheshunt. What can I tell you? Cheshunt. And uh, so everybody else talking about... I sound like Nigel. I don't sound like Nigel. So if I drop it down here... Yeah, so wait a minute. So it, it, I'm going to play you a little bit of Nigel Farage. We're probably going to play the whole thing, I should imagine. Or just a little bit. This is, this is, this is hello, Steve Allen, blah, 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 blah. And this is Nigel Farage. Last time on The Nigel Farage Show. What is going on here is our political class are doing their absolute best to stop, delay, water down, reverse Brexit in any way they can. What is going on here? Brexit in any way they can. Does that at all like Nigel Farage? What are you on about? I sound more like Pinky and Perky. Nigel Farage, honestly. What is going on? Oh, it doesn't sound at all like him. We're from, you know, he's a smoker. I'm not a smoker. He drinks pints. I barely manage a small sherry. My friend Ian says, uh, I've been drinking sherry whilst watching our favourite movie. It's meant for Christmas, sherry. I agree with you. It is meant. It's a Christmas drink, isn't it? That's what they used to have. I'm going to be in so much trouble with the hospital as well. I've got to cancel uh, an appointment tomorrow. And it says here, if you're late on two occasions, cancel at short notice or do not attend, you'll be discharged. <sighs> but the trouble is I'm, I've, I've effectively been discharged from the hospital. I'm just going back for... This is, this is a little check-up tomorrow, but I, I can't. And uh, then I've got uh, the plastic surgeon in January. So it's, it's not that I'm sort of not keeping an appointment. They don't need to give me anything or anything like that. I always feel, I always feel dreadful about it because I know that uh, a lot of people cancel appointments. In fact, sometimes they don't even bother. Uh, Steve, if Paul Smith hands you an unwrapped barometer, it's a re-gift from his uh, best friend, Carol Kirkwood, a surprise for Aussie boy. He'll think it's jewellery. <laughs> a barometer. <laughs> Do you know, people used to have barometers years ago, didn't they? I was never... They, and they tap it. You tap it with your, with your finger, don't you? 
But uh, not me, I'm afraid. Not me. I always wanted... Do you know what I always wanted? I wanted a grandfather clock in the hall. But there's no room for it. But I just quite fancied one. Because for about nine grand, which seems a lot of money, doesn't it? But uh, when you see it written down, it doesn't appear so much money in country life. And they always have a, um, a company that sell grandfather clocks and grandmother clocks and lovely clocks. I've often thought that'd be a nice thing to have, wouldn't it? To have a grandfather clock and hear it chiming. I always fancied that idea. It was never going to happen, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. My father started uh, resurrecting one some years ago. He bought it in pieces and started messing about with it. And they're quite complicated inside with the weights and all the rest of it. Anyway, God knows what. We probably threw it away, I should imagine. Not so good. Pat said, try chilled manzanilla sherry from the Seville region. You will love it. Do you know, I haven't had a sherry for ages, but I've got all my parents' glasses. My parents have got schooners, half schooners, you know, which are basically meant for when they used to have dinner parties. I've got all this crystal glass, which sounds really posh, doesn't it? But, I mean, they just used it as every day, you know, having a, a sherry party. And people had sherry parties, and they would pour the sherry into these schooners. You can go into a pub and go, can I have a schooner of sherry? I don't think you can even buy that nowadays. Listen, what we're going to do, we're going to take a, a short break for the news at five. I want to go through the, the... Yesterday, I didn't get round to the papers for ages and ages and ages, and I do apologise. Uh, mainly, they're they're full of... Uh, Peter Kay this morning, which I think is something interesting. Also, the Queen's favourite hotel. It turns out to be my favourite hotel as well. I've been there on quite a number of occasions, and very good they are too. They would have to be. If it's good enough for the Queen, it's good enough for everybody, and it's been used, oh, many, 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 many times over. I'll tell you about that one later. Also, the bookies bid to rig today's test. We smash plot to fix the ashes. The Sun has smashed a multi-million pound plot to fix today's third Ashes cricket test. Um, Indian bookies offered to sell us details of rigged play to be used in betting markets. That's not very good, is it, really? There's me doing a sporting thing, you see? One minute I'm doing newsy stuff, the next day I'm doing sport. BBC, take note. You don't need to bring special people in just to sit there and read autocue. Have you noticed the new BBC trendy thing is to bring in women to talk about sport? So that they also so before it used to be male dominated, you know. So here we are, and they used to have that bloke on the BBC who used to get involved with doing things as well. It became quite irritating. I can't remember his name. No, not Chris Hollins, the one who, who came after Chris Hollins. Chris Hollins turned up on uh, Eggheads the other day. He was the only one I'd ever seen before. I didn't know anybody else, which I felt quite disappointed by. And and I was watching a program the other day, and who popped up on it? Checkers. It's one of those clip programmes where they go, so-and-so, so-and-so, and had checkers on there and all sorts of people. But anyway, oh, so quick uh, quick break for the uh, the news. Black roast potatoes, anybody? Not my idea. Jamie Oliver's. Samantha Fox tries to plug her book, you know, with the tacky story about, uh, who was it? David Cassidy tried it on with her. Oh, God, if that's the best you can manage, uh, I wouldn't bother. Uh, the Queen's favourite hotelier, the asylum seeker who repaid Britain with crime, and the mother who was four times over the drink drive limit, spared jail, and he goes to prove you can get away with just about anything in this country. Oh, and Stephen Hawking, you won't believe what he said. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Thursday, the 14th of December. And, uh... There's bad news for those people who bought Peter K tickets. Uh, good news if you bought them directly. If you bought via another party, the chances are you've lost your money. You don't get it back. It's only the person who bought the ticket originally who gets the money back. You might be in possession of tickets, but your name would not be on their system. So consequently, if you hypothetically were so desperate to get hold of a pair that you spent, you know, two or three hundred quid on a ticket or something like that, you don't get the money back. 
You don't get anything at all. You lose completely. It's only those people who bought them originally. So if somebody's bought you something as a Christmas present, uh, if they bought directly from a, an approved ticket agency, well, that's fine. However, if you bought it from another person uh, and you paid over the odds, you're not going to get your money back. It's, uh, I don't know why they haven't closed this loophole, but it means that the, uh, the touts win on that. So they must be laughing. Because they get their original stake back as well. Not only have they got your 300 quid or 500 quid or whatever it is, but they're going to get their money back. Colette says, I, I had Christmas all organised with Peter K tickets, my partner Tony. Any suggestions? Difficult, isn't it? Because I should imagine you're not alone. Loads of people must have bought tickets for that. It's the hottest ticket going. That's why. Uh, Shirley says, we've missed you. Trust you're feeling better. Yes, thank you very much indeed. And Jill says, just wanted to say, it's so good to have you back. Really missed waking up to you in the morning. Uh, plus from one here says how many old films have you watched um, quite a few quite a few it says hopefully you're feeling better but I know how awful it's been I'm on my sixth week of it and still can't shake the cough Ooh, lummy, that's a bit bad isn't it but uh, Lorraine made our wreath for the front door oh we had some snow oh look at that it's so pretty isn't it oh that's so pretty is that so, so oh nice wreath wreath's very good you made that blimey I'm very impressed Good God, how big's that tree? That tree's enormous. It's a huge tree. But, uh, but I, I, do like the, uh, I do like the wreath from the front door, Neil. Very nice. Very nice indeed. I'm very impressed by that. That's a really super-sized wreath. That's very... You should make those and sell them. People would buy things like that. Even the producer's impressed. Say, having seen my little erection in the studio, there's not really a lot going on. I mean, it's, I know it's four pounds, but, you know, what could you expect? What can you expect? So, uh, fears for Peter Kay. We don't know uh, what it is that's uh, laid him off cancelling all these 110 tour dates, worth about £84 million. Pounds. That's what the tour would, would generate. Um, and we don't know if it's a problem with him or it's a, a family member. We just don't know. And that's what's, uh, that's what's so awful about it. We wish we know, but we don't want to be nosy. You know, if it's something that's intruding then we don't really want to know. But at the same time, there'll be loads of people going, oh, please, please tell us what it is. A little set-up picture of uh, Mark Wright. Apparently he's back in the country. Not that anybody cares. He's sort of left the country now. And uh, he's been working in L.A. Well, I say working. He's come up with the funniest accent you've ever heard in your entire life. Whether it goes too much longer, I've got no idea. However, the man who has sort of set the cat amongst the pigeons, ladies and gentlemen, this morning is our very own Stephen Hawking. Now, I don't, I don't know anything about Stephen Hawking. Apparently he's super-duper intelligent. That's what they tell me, but I, d I don't know. I have no idea what goes on. But uh, he says a cigar-shaped comet may be an out-of-control alien craft and it could collide with Earth. So he said the aliens are on the way. Mad as a toothbrush. Mad as a toothbrush. You've seen this, uh, this cigar-shaped comet. Uh, they believe that the mile-long object could be from another world. They're using scanners to track its movement. I mean, but, you know, what, 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 would it make any difference if it was aliens from another planet? I don't believe it is, of course. I just believe it's another one of these breakaway pieces, which uh, we've had in the past. This one's a fairly unusual one, uh, but I don't think it's aliens. They can't be that advanced if they have to disguise themselves like that. You think they come down in something that looks like a flying saucer with pretty lights that go round the outside. <coughs> but uh, obviously not to be. Not to be. We'll wait and find out. As I say, if anything lands, I'll let you know in Trafalgar Square. Meghan Markle has secured an invite to spend Christmas with the royal family in a snub to Princess Kate. Prince Harry's bride-to-be will join him, the Queen and other senior royals uh, at the three-day get-together. Uh, to be honest with you, 
I don't think that Kate was allowed to go there until she was married. I don't think... I don't know why they broke up with tradition. I've got no idea. I suppose it's just to keep Harry happy in case he has a tantrum or something. I don't know. A little bit difficult. She will be going to church with them. I don't know if she's back in the country at the moment. She's apparently abandoning Canada. She's selling her place over there, so she'll have nobody to go back to. As I say, I'm, I'm not... I don't know, I'm sort of slightly uneasy about it still. I'm not, I'm not totally convinced that you can take somebody who's a complete outsider and put them inside the royal family with their traditions and the, and the way that they go about things. You know, you just, everybody will stand there. There'll be none of this sort of rushing up to the Queen and flinging your arms round her or something like that. You don't touch the royals. And uh, she'll have to learn all of these kind of... Harry will have to explain to her exactly what is expected of her. But so far, he's been out a few times and she's been nowhere to be seen. So whether she's being groomed... Because she'll have to be explained. I mean, she's, she's American, isn't she? They'll have to explain to her how the system works. You know, so uh, what, what are we having for starters? Oh, we have the same thing every year. Tomato soup and then we go for turkey. And uh, Her Majesty will decide when we've finished eating. Oh, what, we don't wait till everybody's eaten? No, when she's had enough, she pushes the button. She doesn't like long meals, the Queen. She really doesn't. They'll, they'll do presents uh, on Christmas Eve, which they always do. Do you think Meghan's been out buying a few things? I mean, what do you buy for the family who's got everything? I mean, I seriously wouldn't know what you buy. In Harry's case, I should imagine it's fairly simple. A pair of boxer shorts and some hair restorer. Can't think of anything else that you buy. What do you buy him? What do you buy him? He doesn't need a car. Has anybody ever seen him drive? Does he drive a car? He must do, mustn't he? He must drive a car, but I can't remember if I've ever seen him driving. When they went to buy a Christmas tree the other year, which seems a bit strange when they get the things delivered for free, that was quite clearly one of these sort of photo opportunities. But ever since they've announced the engagement, it's gone a bit quiet. But she'll be uh, photographed uh, at church on Boxing Day because that's what they do. The uh, the sort of the few fans will will go out there. Shame Jungle Jack's web dating hunt. This is the ghastly Jack Maynard looking for love. Twenty three years old. Uh, he's on a on one of those dating sites. He describes himself as an entertainer. How about just racist homophobe? That'd be a little bit better, wouldn't it, Jack? Or do you want to change that one? Here's a photograph of himself posing in designer clothes and sunglasses. I told you he doesn't give a stuff about what he said. All this Prince Harry can drive, oh, thank God for that. But uh, he's got 828,000 followers. What, still? You surprise me. He split from Love Island's Daniel Sellers last month. And um, a Daily Star reader who found his profile says, I thought he'd stay away from dating online. So after these racists and hopeless... He's been interviewed by all sorts of people. Frankly, I wouldn't have him within 300 miles of anywhere where I was. Thank you very much indeed. Racist homophobes, you know, no matter what garbage they give you about, oh, don't worry, that was all in the past. It's got to be in there somewhere, hasn't it? But, uh, and then he asked a 14-year-old girl to send him naked pictures. Ghastly little piece of work. Ghastly little piece of work. I couldn't believe it when I saw Lorraine Kelly interviewing him. And he sat there with a big grin over his face. And then he turned up on one of these teleprograms, which is a youth kind of thing. I was mentioning it to a friend of mine the other day. He did tell me what the programme was called, but I can't remember. And he was sort of sitting there beaming all over his face. I thought, you ghastly little so-and-so. Dreadful. Dreadful. Scott the Cabbie says he's a good act, Peter Kay, but nothing tops the late Tommy Cooper. Was he actually part of the Magic Circle? I believe they've got quite a number of Tommy Cooper items at the Magic Circle in the museum. Yes, yes. They did a piece in um, uh, Country Life. Uh, this week, with the Christmas edition on being a magician, because, you know, magicians are very much in demand, as you know, especially at this time of year. This is the time of year that people make a lot of money in pantomime, uh, and you also make a lot of money if you're a magician, which is quite nice. I love the way that they're all trying to uh, to sort of link Victoria Beckham, you know, with uh, with Meghan Markle. 
It's a load of old hogwash. It really is. It's rubbish. As if, seriously, anybody in the palace is going to go, she's friendly with who? Oh, my God, stop that one straight away. You don't want uh, old attention-seeking Vic turning up at uh, the house, do you? Apparently because she's been seen coming out of a salon that uh, Posh frequents. However, there's a story in the paper today that the Beckham family turned up en masse, whatever that means, uh, at the Natural History Museum and were allowed to use the ice for an hour before you poor people were allowed on it. Whether or not they just sort of got there early, I've got no idea. You'd think, actually, that the Beckhams would be so rich they could afford to put their own ice rink in, wouldn't you, really? But obviously they're not. Obviously can't afford to do anything without sort of having some sort of... Pic- and they've got a Victoria Beckham picture of her wearing another ghastly outfit. I mean, she is so scrawny, so scrawny, that apparently Meghan Markle uh, is spending time with Victoria Beckham. They bonded over hair and beauty tips. Hair? What does Victoria Beckham know about hair? The former Suits actress is said to be really pleased with her newfound friendship and regularly texts Victoria, crediting the fashion designer for helping her settle into a new life in London. Victoria Beckham doesn't spend time in London. She spends most of it floating around China and places like that. What a load of old cobblers, honestly, the rubbish they put up here. They've said it's believed Victoria, who's often delighting fans with her makeup tutorials, only recently has befriended Meghan and give her a list of exclusive salons. Well, is Meghan a bit stupid then or something? Doesn't she know about exclusive places? Why would you bother going to Victoria Beckham? A royal insider, that'll be Victoria Beckham's agent, says Meghan's been really pleased with Victoria's beauty recommendation and has her to thank for meeting new friends. New friends? What new friends? What friends of, of Victoria Beckham does Meghan Markle need? She's going to... She's been marrying into the royal family. They don't want to hang around with the Beckhams. They're a bit low rent, aren't they? Definitely. Apparently, it's claimed Meghan's friendship with Beckham's wife had blossomed after she recommended sought-after facialist Sarah Chapman to the actress. Well, she'd never heard of her before. My God, she's in another planet, isn't she? Poor old Meghan. Haven't you got Google, Meghan? You must find it, darling. It's not difficult. The Chelsea... Here we go. This is where all the free plugs come in. The Chelsea-based beautician offers a 90-minute treatment at £600. Yeah, really. You think Meghan will be getting a bill? I don't think so after that freebie plug. God in heaven. Apparently, Victoria sought to have recommended a high-end salon in Knightsbridge to Meghan. What? Can't Meghan get her hair done anywhere? What, you think Meghan's going to be sitting in a salon, honestly? Obviously, Victoria trying desperately to sort of cling on to something. What a load of old codswallop it really is. But apparently, uh, Harry and Meghan spoke at the moment they first met on a blind date. And uh, so there you go. Which we knew about in Botswana, which is probably where they're going to honeymoon, as I predicted. And I predicted they were going to get married uh, at Windsor, of course. And uh, let's hope Harry's hair clings on that long. I mean, to be honest with you, he's going to have to use that spray-on stuff, isn't he? If he's not careful. They use that on television. I don't want to say that. Don't, don't, don't say that. James O'Brien's trying. It's, uh, no, shh, to go no further. And it's like, it's spray candy floss. It comes out of a can, and you go, and then you sort of spray it on. Or they sell it on television. They used to. I haven't seen it advertised for ages. It's called Million Hair or something. And, oh, God, he's back. And um, you're going now. I think so, too. He could, do, he could do with some of that, couldn't he? Paul Smith could do... We're talking about Prince Harry's hair going. And... No, no, we, we mean that in a nice way. But you... No. Excuse me, I think you'll find I have a full head of hair. It's just that you can't see it. I see it in my mind. You want a hair transplant? You want a hair transplant? What for? You do not want a hair transplant. Listen, do not... I promise you, do not waste your money. Seriously. 
because I will take the mickey out of you mercilessly if you have a hair transplant. Do not have a hair transplant. You don't need a hair transplant. Oh, for goodness sake, listen, get an eyeliner pencil and just pencil in those bits and colour it in with a Crayola or something like that. Put a hat on. You do not need a hair transplant. That is a ridiculous waste of money. Seriously, honestly, I'd be really cross if you wasted money. You hide it well. It looks fine. The fact you're going to be completely bored by this time next Christmas is neither here nor there, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a sign of virility, being bored. Look at me. Little stub bunny. You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> you don't need a hair transplant. That would be a ridiculous waste of money. Seriously, I mean, I'd, I'd be really hurt. That means we'd have to go without fish and chips for ages and ages. If you had a hair transplant, it's bad enough to get you to put your money on the table as it is now without worrying about anything else. No. Change what? Change the... You do not need a hair transplant. Listen, it's ridiculous. Just... Just man up to it. Get over. You might as well do a comb over. That's equally ridiculous. Don't do a comb over. Don't do a hair transplant. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Somebody says, uh, Steve, hope you're well. I'm slightly confused. Please don't ban me. How would the ticket touts get the ticket money back if they've sold on the original ticket? OK, let's do it slowly for you. Because they've purchased the ticket legally. Okay, through a ticket website. Okay, so here I am. I'm ticket tout. I go to Chris, who is a ticket website, and I go, hello, can I buy a ticket? Okay, I'm now holding the ticket. Okay, but bearing in mind, I've paid for it on credit card. So this ticket I've purchased. I've got a credit card receipt, and it shows me I bought a ticket. I've now decided I want to sell my, my ticket. So you say to me, uh, how much do you want for the ticket? And I go, I want £500 for it. And you go, oh, it's too much. I go, all right, 450 And you go, yes. So I give you my, my ticket. I've still got my, my credit card receipt. This is technically my... Si- I've just sold it on to you. I haven't sold you the receipt that comes with it. And on their computer, there's my name. Steve Allen, LBC, Leicester Square, London, WC. And so it goes on. And so I get the money back. So it's been sold on separately, you know, on a site like uh, Viagogo. As far as the original ticket website knows, they bought it for themselves. They, they, they don't go, I'm sorry, are you Steve Allen sitting in this seat? No, I, I bought the seat off him. OK, that's your problem. That's your problem. So therefore, they get the refund. OK, you don't get the... Well, why would you get the refund? You didn't purchase it originally. They've sold it on. It's like, here I have my... My my iPhone, would you like to buy it? It's a thousand pounds. It's a brand new Apple iPhone, and you go, that's fine. It's it's selling it on. You've sold on the seat. They don't come round when you go to the Peter K concert and go, wait a minute, let's have a check. Can you show me your credit card receipt? No, I bought it off a website. Ah, you don't get the money back. So that's why you lose. In fact, the uh the touts double their money. Well, they do more than double their money because they get the original price of the ticket back say, 60 quid or 70 quid or whatever it happens to be, plus they've already got your 500 quid. You know, you've risked buying it from a tout. You know you shouldn't buy from a tout. If everybody didn't buy from touts, they'd be stuck with thousands of tickets. You know, and that, that, that's the problem. In fact, I think it happened, was it at the Barbara Streisand concert, where obviously somebody thought they are going to sell out. So they bought up swathes of seats, swathes of seats. And uh, when the actual concert started... There were rows and rows of empty seats sitting there because somebody had paid for them. It's just that they were they got greedy and they were trying to get more money out of them and people went, I'm not paying a £1,000 for a seat. Barbara Streisand or no Barbara Streisand, I'll buy the DVD. 
But of course, if you wanted to surprise somebody for Christmas and and you you know knew that they were a big fan of Peter Kay, I mean, who? To be honest with you, who in a million years would have known that he would have cancelled? Who seriously would have known that he would have cancelled? I mean, just it just wouldn't happen. So it's got to be something really serious because there's going to be a lot of disappointed people. But as I say, if you bought from a tout, that's your problem. Uh, is the Queen's favourite hotel Hotel Pueblo? Says Lenny. No, sadly not. No, it's in London. It's in London. She goes, uh, she, she's been quite a number of times. She likes the hotelier. She likes the hotel. Uh, she likes the, she likes the food. She likes everything. And it's fairly close to where she is as well. In fact, to be honest with you, she could literally walk out the back door at Buckingham Palace and get there. It's as simple as that. It's a hotel that we've been to. In fact, um, we've had tea there on numerous occasions. Numerous occasions. And it's the Goring. And it's, uh, it's, it's a lovely hotel. It's literally very near uh, Victoria, very near Victoria. And uh, in previous years, she's chosen the establishment for the staff Christmas party. Uh, she's attended the Goring's annual festive knees up and um, she just likes it there. And um, she's always waved off by David Morgan Hewitt, known as Big Dave, because he's big. Managing director of that five-star hotel, beloved by royals and celebrities, and Steve Allen. Steve Allen's been there as well. It's like he is—he is big. He <laughs> makes you look a bit sylph-like, doesn't he? <laughs> he is big, but she loves it there. She really does because it's—I mean, I've had tea on their um, on their veranda at the back, which overlooks their their garden. It's lo- they do a lovely tea. It's just—it's—it's it's what you call good hotel. They've only got seventy-one rooms, which by most London hotel standards is small. Uh, the reason that people go there, the, the Middletons famously booked out all of the rooms. Do you remember when Kate got married? All the family stayed there. It's very discreet. It's very nice. They have butlers. They have... Um, they have pe- the first time we went there, I kid you not. I mean, I know this sounds absolutely ludicrous. We'd, uh, we'd actually booked afternoon tea some, some while ago uh, at the Gore. I mean, it, it must be going back a couple of years. We walked in the front door... And and somebody said, good afternoon, Mr. Allen. I've never been there in my life. Never been there in my life. And and the people I was with said, do they know you? I said, I've never been here. Seriously, I've never been here. So either they went onto the internet and they checked out what I look like. And it's, it's they've got like nice gents' toilets. Nice toilets, all marble urinals and things like that. Ladies are probably quite nice too. And um, Margaret Thatcher used to have her favourite table in the corner. And the Queen goes there, and it's but it's all very discreet. They're not flash; they're just they're just very pleasant. And when we raised some money uh, for make some noise a few years back, one of the things that somebody bid for was afternoon tea at the Goringham. We had a lovely time. It's 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 really nice. I've been to, as you know, a number of hotels for afternoon tea, and um, and they they were up there. There was only one place in London I didn't like, and I can't tell you what it is because they might be listening. But it was the only place that didn't do an afternoon tea. But to get the Queen to go somewhere, you know, and she, I love the way she takes her car there. She only lives over the road. Literally, it's literally over the road, the Goring. But it is, it's super. It really is nice. And um, it's, it's well, worth, well worth going to if you can get in. If you can get in, and according to the website, Mr Morgan Hewitt has overseen some of the hotel's greatest and exciting periods of transformation. He's been 26 years there. That's the, that's the, you know, that's the indicator to me of a very, very good hotel where the people want to be. They like doing service. They like 
you know, being nice to people. If you go there, like, you know, any other good hotels, you know, if you've stayed there once, they will know everything about you. They will know what fruit you like in the bowl, what sort of dressing gowns you like, what time you like to go to bed. They, they know everything. So when you go back the next time, they'll know if you like the room. I mean, the, the, the family who built the property more than 100 years ago uh, believed it was the first ever a royal warrant uh, given by the monarch, making the event all the more special. And so they've got the, the coat of arms there. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's just, you, you'd never guess that it was everybody's favourite hotel because it's discreet. It's discreet. And they've got footmen as well. They've got footmen. Who has footmen? Everybody's so smart. Really smart. Really nice down there. So, you know, if it sounds like I'm bigging them up, if it's good enough for Her Majesty the Queen and it was good enough for the Middletons and it's good enough for all the people who've been there over the years, even though they go... And I, I never like it when somebody says, oh, it's a favourite place with celebrities. Because I always think that sort of takes it to the level of maybe somebody from Essex or Chelsea might wander in there and that might sort of lower the tone of it. It's not like that at all. It's uh, much nicer, much nicer. So they've got 69 suites and rooms and one of the largest private gardens in London. So the royals like it there. And so they should. You've probably got favourite hotels too, but that's the Queen's favourite hotel. Uh, Still to come, the TV chef's top tips for Christmas. And here's Jamie Oliver, who we're going to be welcoming to the studio tomorrow. We're going to record him for, uh, for Christmas. I think he's come up with black roast potatoes. Somebody politely pointed out to me earlier on, they said, does that mean burnt? I don't think so, no. I think it's black roast potatoes. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about with Jamie Oliver, so he's going to come in tomorrow morning. We're going to pre-record him, and it's going to be a a special uh, at Christmas time. I think it's going to be Christmas with Jamie and Steve. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice heavy company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Bouncy, bouncy, all very exciting. Let me just clear up this thing again because uh, Sim says, would physical tickets have been dispatched yet for, for touts to sell on the likes of Via Gogo? The answer is no. Because when you buy a ticket, you know what seat you bought. You, they, they basically say you've got F23 and 24. You know that. Yeah, when I buy tickets... Uh, for shows, I know what seat I've bought. So you don't physically need the ticket. But bear in mind, they've bought it. It's theirs. So when they're claiming back, it goes to their credit card. The fact that you've re-bought it again doesn't mean anything. It's like me selling toys that were given to me years and years ago for Christmas or something, or I bought and I've saved them. You're buying them. You can't go back and claim the money back off the shop you bought it from. So the, that's why, Sim. He says, I'm under the impression, thankfully, that only e-tickets were dispatched so far and it was the name person only ID required. They don't do that, do they? We don't. Yeah, there are ways, there are ways, ways around it. But put it this way. If you bought it from a registered ticket agency and they were authorised, it's fine. And it's gone on your credit card. You know, and it's got, you know, Ticketmaster or whoever it happens to be. Then that's fine. If you bought it via one of these eBay type sites which resells things, you get Nothing. And if you paid way over the odds, which you will have done, because he, he sold out fantastically quickly, fantastically quickly, uh, then you've lost your money because the ticket is worthless. The person who bought it originally, because they, they don't have your name, on, why would they have your name on file? They don't. They've got, you know, ticket agency next door, Chris's. So Chris's name will be on their files and they will send out a refund to him. They'll go, well, you bought two tickets. That was £130 plus the booking fee of £15.50, whatever. And they send him the money. They don't send it to you. You're stuck with a worthless ticket and you're down on the deal. I mean, it's, it's not the best news and the government should have closed it. Phil Vickery says, good morning. Good morning. Nice to have your company. <laughs> 
I'm feeling that kind of mood this morning. I don't know why. Uh, Steve. Uh, so I'm just trying. Oh, Amber says there is. Oh, I know. I've heard about grandmother clocks. I know all about that. Somebody says, talking about hair, is Michael Fabricant's hair real? Well, I mean, when you say real, I mean, do you mean, is it real hair? The answer is, I suspect so. I mean, as opposed to what, an acrylic rug or something? I don't know. I mean, whether it was grown on his head would be a question that we'd have to... He doesn't, does it? He say it was grown on his head? Oh, he doesn't. Oh, tell me, please not. Oh, it can't be. I've never seen anything like it. It looks like Boris's, but you can see in the wind. I mean, Michael Fabric just doesn't look... You know, you can see somebody's head fits their hair. It just... It, He doesn't say that, does he really? Oh, well. (laughs) I don't think it makes any difference, actually. If so, Steve, he has a fantastic crop. I know, so he... Mind you, you do get people like that, don't you? Because, you know, Terry Wogan used to have a bit of a weave going on. And if people... He used to have about three or four. I'm told, so the story goes, the apocryphal story, that um, somebody would say to him, Oh, Terry, you need need a bit of a haircut. And so he'd go home and he'd put the other one on and then he'd come out and people would go, Oh, that looks so much better. (laughs) Now you've had your hair cut. Uh, Steve, I stupidly purchased tickets from Viagogo. They hold money from the seller until seven days post-event. I've already had an email saying I'm getting a full refund. Well, then you might be. If it's uh, it's seven days post... uh, Seven days post-event. Well, you can't have seven days post-event. This thing's not till next year. So it, it can't be, can it? Unless you bought tickets for something else. I don't know what you bought. Or somebody's being very kind. Sounds very unlikely. He says, poor Peter K, but thank goodness it looks like a refund en route. And, uh, well, there you go. Uh, Steve, I'm glad you are better, says Viv. I love the goring afternoon tea. Going to Fortnum Mason's today for tea. Going with my friend Jane as our Christmas treat. And I shall see you on the 3rd of January. 3rd of January is when I'm at the Hippodrome Theatre in uh, London for Make Some Noise. And so it's... uh, it's a bit of time spent with Steve Allen. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the answer is to that, actually. <laughs> I think my boss always turns up to it. Uh, Vince is in Brittany. He says, coming over to the UK in Surrey next week to celebrate Christmas with the family. He says, uh, take care and send my regards to Nick when you next see him. Vince is my trusty listener. Uh, Steve, um, Lynn says, of course the Queen loves the goring. Apart from the wonderful service, it must be the only place in the country that doesn't smell of paint. <laughs> It's an old gag, isn't it? Do you know, every, every, everywhere she goes, they have to make sure that there is a toilet set aside just in case the Queen needs to spend a penny. I don't think she's ever done it. I don't think she's ever done it, which is, which is probably very good for her, isn't it, really? Uh, my favourite hotel, says Kevin the Milkman, the travel lodges. <laughs> you have to bring it down to that level, don't you? He says, I have to say, as Sam works at the Harlow Travel Lodge and we get staff discount, we book a night away. Morning to all the housekeepers there. He said, maybe, maybe the Queen should try one. Do you think... I mean, I don't... I've never seen a picture of the Queen's bedroom. Not that I'm expecting to see one anytime soon. But I'm assuming it's not... It's not... You know, she's not living in, like, a museum. I think the rooms that the, the royal family use, and the Queen in particular, at Buckingham Palace, are very plain. It's, you know, she's, she's not sitting down at a, a gold chair and stuff like that. But uh, I think it'll be interesting. Any scandal at last night's Christmas party, Steve? Says Howard, like illegal use of the photocopier. Good heavens above, what sort of company do you think we are? We don't do things like that. We're far too refined, far too refined about the whole thing. We're, we're sort of, we always have very, uh, it's, it's that people sit, good afternoon, good evening, hello, happy Christmas, thank you very much indeed. That's what people do. So uh, there aren't any, uh, 
there aren't any uh, any sort of scandal. Well, as far as I know, there's no scandals. I shall probably find out uh, later on. B says, heard at the uh, Queen and Adam Lambert gig last night, a lady loudly arguing with a member of the staff who told her her tickets would not get her in. She just paid 400 quid from a tout. So that's the trouble. If, you, you know, if you're so desperate, that's what touts play on, isn't it? When we have uh, rugby in, in Twickenham, you can see touts standing outside the station. Want to sell any tickets? Buy tickets? Got tickets? They, they do that all the time. Presumably, you sort of have to wait till, you know, the game has started. And, uh, and then you go, have you got any tickets now? And they go, yeah, 100, 150 quid. You go, give you a fiver. Because otherwise, they're stuck with a useless ticket. A useless ticket. They've got, to, they've got to get some money out of them. So you can always hold them to ransom. It's like the people who will try it every year. They try it every year. I always see it. It's somebody who'll go out on Christmas Eve and try and haggle about a Christmas tree. They'll be going, uh, how much is that tree? And you go, 25 quid. And they go, give you a fiver. And they go, no. They go, well, you're going to be stuck with it, aren't you? You go, no, you're going to be without one. <laughs> That's your problem. That's your problem. Some people think that people are desperate, so they will, they will quite happily sell things on at a discount. And, of course, some people don't like to do that. So Jamie's treat for Christmas. Actually, there's a lot about Jamie in the, uh, in the papers today. Oliver, this is, by the way. Oliver, Oliver. I wonder what he does. I've got to ask him tomorrow about what Christmas is like in his family. Because I was just saying to the producer, it must be a nightmare. You go out... And to be honest with you, they're going to need a sharabang for his family. There's loads of them. I wonder if they ever do that where we're all going out to eat for Christmas or he has to he has to cook at home for Christmas and get the family involved or they go to his mum and dad's pub or something like that. And they go there because it must be... A, you imagine you're a hotelier or a restaurateur and all of a sudden the door opens, it's... Jay, and it's oh, God, it's Jamie Oliver. He's going to be, he's going to be so critical because every, chefs always tell you exactly the same thing. They go, you know, you could see the look on people's faces going, and they go, oh, it's really nice to see you. Oh, God, he's going to hate it. <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, actually, whether I'd do Christmas in a hotel. Oh, look, there's Judge Roy Moore. No more Roy Moore. I don't like him at all. Actually, the guest yesterday, we were talking to Mark Gatiss, and he said he was so glad that he lost. I said, <laughs> we were all glad he lost as well. Nasty little homophobic so-and-so. Anyway, so, uh, so Jamie's got black roast potatoes, and um, you sort of Peel and parboil. You add garlic, cloves and thyme. Never heard of garlic, cloves and thyme with roast potato. Have you heard of this one before? You do balsamic vinegar. Wow. And, of course, Jamie's Italian is on uh, December the 19th at 8pm on the television. On the television. Actually, he's very rarely off the television. But does he get a chance at the end of the day to put his feet up you know, with all the kids in the house and everything else. And, of course, very exciting because the kids love Christmas. And you go, why don't you just go away? Leave me alone. Daddy wants to be by himself for ten minutes with Mummy so we can just sort of put our feet up. That's what they like, isn't it? Because it must be so difficult. I know quite a number of, you know, very well-known people. And it is incredibly difficult for them to have a normal life. You know, to have a normal... What, what is a normal life? No idea. No idea. Uh, Gary says, I'm sure there'll be some juicy stories about the Christmas party last night on Mr M's show this morning, if they make it into work. Well, I've seen a couple of members. Seen a couple of members looking a bit ropey. You see, I just, I mean, I just can't physically work if, you know, if you've had a few, uh, a few sherries, Gary. It just, it just doesn't work for me because I'm, I'm doing something different, you know, because I do a programme where I talk for, for three hours. Seems longer, I realise. Um... 
I just, if, if I'd had a drink, I couldn't, I couldn't manage it. I really couldn't. If there was a load of you in a studio and you were doing a round table, what they call sort of uh, a zoo format, well, then it's a lot easier. Because if you have a quiet moment, you can sit back and reflect and everybody else uh, chips in. Uh, Michael Dennis, the black cab poet, has come up with a brilliant one today. Brilliant one. He says, um, sorry, I don't know why I laughed, actually. It makes me laugh when he sort of afternoon tea at the travel lodge. <laughs> you know, they did afternoon tea at travel lodge. But I suppose they might do. Why would they not? Why would they not, ladies and gentlemen? I did tweet this morning saying it's freezing out here this morning. And it was, actually. It really was. Uh, my friend Ian says, was it Joan Collins who called it divine decadence? Oh, I think I think decadent is just everywhere, isn't it, really? Uh, also, uh, wait a minute, I've just... Oh, honestly. Sometimes my phone goes so slow. You know, really, really, really slow. Really slow. Uh, somebody says, you appear to have made a full recovery. I, I haven't made a full recovery. But if you notice, I'm pitching my voice up and down all over the place just to try and make it better. But uh, Michael Dennis, the Black Cat Poet, says, I've now got uh, a picture in my mind of Kevin the Milkman Pinky's out, rifling for change by the vending machine. <laughs> I stayed in one of those sort of places. We had a Christmas party years and years ago. And they said, oh, j- j- um, we'll, we'll book you into a hotel in London. It was down at Victoria. And it was awful. I mean, it was really, really dreadful. It doesn't look like travel lodges do afternoon tea. Perhaps they should start. It is all vending machines, though, isn't it, I believe. In the hotel I was in, it had wood chip paper in the bedroom. Wood chip paper, I ask you in a hotel in London, and I remember thinking, this is absolutely awful. <laughs> I'd rather go home. <laughs> Makes me feel a terrible snob at this time of the morning, but I don't care. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. It's the festive season. And uh, as they say, tis the season to be jolly. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. I don't know why they did fa-la-las. Perhaps they didn't know the words, so... Tis the season to be jolly. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Perhaps it was some word years ago, wasn't it? A fa-la-la. Or perhaps they just ran out of lyrics. They couldn't think of anything to say. It is the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's 11 and a half minutes to six. I say 11 and a half minutes might not mean much to you, but somebody somewhere will be clinging desperately onto that last little bit. So Britain is now losing officially its marbles. TV adverts with busy mums and hopeless dads are going to vanish in a fight against gender stereotypes. Oh, goodness sake. Give me strength, honestly. What have we turned into? Apparently now, you can't have the old lady of Threadneedle Street. It'll be the old person of Threadneedle Street. Also, uh, the advert will be banned, showing men as incapable. So, in other words, you know, men go, I don't know what to do. That means that's going to be banned. Uh, Also, uh, the boy wearing an Einstein T-shirt, while the girl is wearing a social butterfly on the front. That's banned as well. Uh, Plus also, uh, mum, shopping... A weary mum, that's going to be banned as well. That's social stereotyping. Uh, and also mum cooking Christmas dinner, that's banned. Because it's supposed to be a joint... Th- what a pile of old rubbish, isn't it? It really is. Uh, also um, uh, also banned the advert where any little girls become ballerinas. I spoke to somebody the other day. OK, I spoke to somebody the other day. Now, you... Um, I, th- I thought this was, was really interesting. Uh, this particular person has a son. The son is three. Two or three, something like that. And anyway, um, and wanted to do ballet. Ballet. But wanted to wear a tutu. Like all the other people in the class, I want to wear a tutu. And the ballet class said, no, you can't. Little boys wear shorts. And 
And the little boy didn't want to wear shorts. He wanted to wear it. Everybody else was wearing a tutu. Now, I thought either this person who's running the ballet class has never seen Billy Elliot, in which case little boys want to put tutus on. Little boys want to put, you know, pretty dresses on and costumes, things like that. It doesn't mean anything. It just means they want to sort of kind of put something on that looks a bit away. From... It's like every time you go out anywhere, you know, at the party last night, I didn't go because obviously I have to be up early in the morning. But I should imagine some people would have absolutely outdone themselves. All the girls, all the ladies, they'll be wearing sparkles and glitter and hair done and all the rest of it. Blokes will just be wearing, you know, either a Christmas jumper, a pair of slacks. A pair of slacks. God, how old am I? Uh, you know, just sort of sensible clothes. There's nothing exciting for men. Men can't dress up. You go on a cruise nowadays and they go, it's formal night tonight. So all the men have to wear dinner jackets. The women can wear reds, greens, blues, pinks, everything. And the men, boring, boring, blooming boring. And so I think to myself, we need to lighten up a little bit. We need to lighten up a little bit. I mean, Aussie boy, who did go to the party last night, we've not heard from him since, but we have trawled the local hospitals and so far nothing's been reported. And the police haven't come round, to, you know, sort of saying, do you know who this person is? Because we deny it anyway. I mean, he was probably wearing the same jumper that he wears to work every day. He just goes there because it's warm, he likes it, it's comfy, and he, he looks all right in it. Well, I mean, he thinks he does. And, uh, and that's it. Because blokes don't really make the effort, do they? Women make the effort. Girls make the effort. You can't wait. Every newspaper we opened up over the last week was, you know, the little dress for the party. This is your party frock. This is what you're supposed to be. Nothing for blokes. Absolutely nothing. We get kind of shoved to the back of the queue. So you're either wearing maybe, you know, a pair of jeans with, uh, with a jumper and then a, a jacket over the top. Well, failing that, you just wear what you've worn to work. But people sort of say, I mean, you know, some people sort of go go over and above and they sort of try and make a bit of an effort. But it, it's getting further and further in the distance for blokes. Women, everything for you. Go out into the shops, there's all the different colours. There's all the lovely frocks, the dresses, the short things, the sparkles, the glitter. You can't walk out in glitter unless you're gay. Only gay people wear glitter now unless you're working in the circus or 42nd Street. You know, you don't bother, do you? People sort of go out there and they want to have a bit of fun. And also, you don't want to wear, you don't want to stand out at the bus stop, do you? The only one standing there in a glitter jumper with all lights all over it, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. Can't do stuff like that. Little Julie says, when we visit our friends in Dorset, we stop at a little chef. The one we stop at has a travel lodge attached. Maybe Michael and Kevin could try tea and cake there. I bet both of them would really want the little chef Olympic, Olympic breakfast. Actually, we used to have one in um, Northfield, down in Essex. Gone. The travel lodge went and the little chef. Wait, I didn't even know there were little chefs still, but apparently. Kevin says, interesting party at the restaurant last night. Party of 20. Two different offices, same company. Only 10 arrived as the organisers gave the wrong date. Oh, no, that's awful, isn't it? And especially as they've already done it. I was watching Robin's Nest the other day uh, on DVD. Oh, I'll tell you what I tried to get the other day, and I can't find it. It doesn't come through Amazon, that's a fact, because I've tried to buy Vicar of Dibley box set, and I thought they'd have it on Prime or something like that. No, no, they haven't. They've got one or two separate things, but I wanted the box set of everything, and it doesn't exist. You have to buy it from third-party sellers or whatever it is. I remember going through it yesterday thinking, that's a shame, I quite fancied the Vicar of Dibley for Christmas this year. as a little sort of Chrissy present. Well, I, it, I couldn't um, find it. I could find, you know, I know there's nothing, is there? You can find episodes 80, 80 quid, I know. Do I sound like I've got 80 quid? I've just been off for seven days. I'll be very lucky to make it with petrol in the car over the Christmas period. 
Ridiculous. Uh, so if you're going to a, a Christmas party, good luck to you. Uh, Padita says, you haven't made a big fuss. Kit's had a nasty cough and has made sure everybody knows about it. I'm trying. Actually, the funny thing is, I, I have coughed. But I do it in the breaks. So you don't hear it. I'm not, I'm not stupid. Because I know people have said in the past, oh, you're sure you're well. The truth is, I am well. I don't have a cold or anything like that. I've just got this, this sore throat. And it's not even a sore throat. It's tickly-tickly. So when I wake up tomorrow morning, it's going to be rough. Very rough. But then by the time I've had cups of tea and water and bits and pieces, I sort of, I'm lubricated. So by the time Jamie Oliver gets here tomorrow morning, I'm going to be so lubricated. Uh, we're going to sort of do the hugs, you know, kissy-kissy Christmas stuff and all the rest of it. And uh, we're going to sit down and just have a chat. Just have a nice chat for the festive season. Because there must be loads of things that you want to know about him. There's loads of things that I want to know about him. Because I interviewed him many, many years ago when we were back in, uh, in another building. And he'd only just come onto the scene working at the River Cafe. Only just come onto the scene. And then he turns into this sort of human dynamo. He was, I want to know what he does for holidays. Where do they go on holiday? When does he rest? When does he sort of put his feet up? Who does all the shopping in the family? I have a snaking feeling it's the wife. I just can't see him going out. I don't think he's got enough time. He's got restaurants to run. He's got a business empire. And he's got a fortune of a lot of money. But it doesn't come down to the money, does it? It doesn't come down to the money. As long as you've got enough to make sure that the, the family are looked after, and the sooner you can get them working, the better. Uh, also, what was the other thing? Oh, Stephen Hawking, I mentioned earlier on this morning, saying aliens are on the way. Mad as a fruitcake. Why do people never say that about him? They just go, oh, Stephen Hawking says it. it must be true. You know, and I, I, I don't go along there. Also, the chip shop owner, he's deep fried Christmas dinner. There's something Jamie could have jumped on the bandwagon of. He's literally deep fried everything. The turkey... The, everything, the whole... You no, know, he's not in Scotland, actually. I can't remember where he is, actually. Uh, Stefan Dom of Snub Celebrity Big Brother. Well, why would they want to go on it? It's for has-beens. You don't need to go on anything like that. They don't need the money. They don't need the money. It's only people like poor old Toff. 13 grand. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, yes, if you keep spreading, you'll keep calm. Marmite. Marmite apparently gives you sort of a relaxed atmosphere. But, do you know, I nearly... Had Marmite this morning. Last night, sorry, last night. I had some um, crumpets. And I put butter on them. Not, not a lot of butter, just a little scraping. And I thought, should I put some Marmite on? I thought, I haven't had Marmite for ages, but I've got a big jar of it. And uh, I quite found and I, in the end, I didn't, I didn't really bother, actually. Uh, scientists have discovered a shark thought to be 512 years old. That's an old shark. Uh, and also, one in four young women, according to recent surveys, have a mental... Illness. It's certainly far more common, unless people are talking about it more now than they ever used to. And uh, Britain... Uh, sorry, we just did that one, actually. Also, checking work emails at home is bad for your health. And just to really annoy you, Piers Morgan's just been given a bumper pay rise, mainly because it's worked. You know, when they first started doing the programme, him and Susanna, it, uh, it maybe didn't work. And now they've settled into it, and it works very well. Everybody knows their place, and it works well. And uh, so good for him. I know people go, oh, I don't like him. Steve, I've got the Vicar of Dibley box set. Watched it recently. Brilliant. Do you want to borrow it? I don't, I don't do borrowing. I don't do borrowing. I'm sorry. No, no. I want one for myself. I want to... I should have bought it ages ago. I don't know why I didn't bother buying it. But there you go. And uh, also, uh, what was that Cliff Richard DVD you were looking for, says Bob? Uh, I think it's called Take Me High. And it's the... Um, oh, it's got some really good songs in it, actually. It really has got some good songs. Um... 
everything. It's got, um, oh, God, everything. It's such a good film. Set in Birmingham with the Brum Burger, and it's got uh, Anthony Andrews in it. It is called Take Me High, isn't it? Yeah. And it, it's, it's really lovely. It's got uh, Deborah Watling as Sarah, who looks lovely. Hugh Griffith uh, is Sir Harry Cunningham. George Cole played Bert Jackson. Uh, Ronald Hines was Emmett. Uh, who else was in it? Richard Wattis as Sir Charles Furness. Madeline Smith was Vicky and Moira Fraser was Molly. Uh, it was such a good... It was such a good film, actually. It's got um, a lovely song. What was one of the songs in it? There was Take Me High. Um, God, there was a song in it. I can't find it. I think it was Life. It goes, Life, oh, Life. da 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 I think so. Can you find the, just the music for life? Just in case I might have got the wrong one. And it was a it was a, a super song. There was something about it that when they made these songs a long, long time ago, uh, it's not wonderful life, it's just life. And and I don't know whether or not... The trouble is with Cliff, because he sounds exactly the same in studio as he does on stage, it's difficult to try and... So there we go. Oh, OK. Should we take a short break? For, oh, I should take a break for the news. Six o'clock. Uh, the size of wine glasses has doubled in a generation. Uh, the Queen bending the rules for Meghan Markle. Robbie in, in secret intensive care hell. It's only a short while ago because he's obviously bored again. He was talking about he'd love to do a reality show with his wife. Oh, please not. Uh, Jamie Oliver has vowed to spike Donald Trump if he's asked to cook for him during the state visit. That'd be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Uh, Samantha Fox tries to plug her book with a spurious story about David Cassidy. I think, really, that's taken it a little bit uh, too low. And what's wrong with Peter Kay? He's cancelled everything. Work, everything. The diary is cleared. Why? We do not know. And the best dieters have eight hours sleep. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Thursday. Welcome to the 40... I told you it's going quickly. You've got... Ten days. Ten day. I know, ten days. It's going to go like that, isn't it? Daily Mirror this morning, Peter Kay. He's just apologised. I don't think he needs to apologise. I don't think you need to apologise. I mean, people will be disappointed that he's cancelled everything. He's cleared his diary. It's, you know, I mean, what, what do we do? Do we sit here and speculate on, on how dreadful this, this news can possibly be? I'm sure at some point it will come out. I'm quite sure. He said, my family come first. And there's a picture in the papers of him and his uh, wife, Susan. Uh, I think last night, you know, people were sort of worried, you know, is he OK? That's all, that's all people want. They want some sort of assurance that he's OK. Because, you know, to cancel a huge tour, which is, it, it's 112 dates. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know anybody's got the strength to book in 112 dates. That is just amazing. The trouble is, it's, comics are clever nowadays. Once they've written a show... They just do it and they go out there. So I should imagine, you know, show one will be ironing out a few little bits and pieces. By the time you get to sort of, you know, fifth or the sixth. But 112 dates. That is a lot of dates. That really is. The world's first for a transgender parent. And here we go again. This is uh, a woman who has apparently transed as a man, but has had a baby as a woman and now has given birth as a man. But the trouble is it's not a man, it's a woman. Okay, whichever you you know, whichever way you look at somebody, whether they're trans or not, the physical appearance on the outside is not necessarily what's going on inside. And so this person here, and um, this is somebody to say, 
It's the first person in the world to have a tot as a male and a female after the arrival of Little Phoenix. I don't know whether this is in the... Is this this country or is this somewhere else? But anyway, so it, it's what it is. It's a woman who has taken hormones to change her appearance physically to become a man, but you can't change her inside. You can't take out the whole of your body inside. So physically, inside, it's a woman. That's why she can give birth. So she's had a baby as a woman, and then she trans is, but she's still physically able to give birth because you can't take everything out from inside. So, you know, you might be a man to look at, but inside you're a woman because men can't give birth. I don't want to break this to anybody too much, but it's the world's first. Uh, They say people are confused, not surprised, Uh, none more so than the child who is growing up as neutral. It doesn't have uh, it doesn't have a specification of male or female. God knows what what world we're turning into where children don't know who they are. So what a boy or a girl don't know nothing really. You're just sort of you're just sort of neutral. And um, it's, it's very strange. I mean, a lot of people have said, give the kids stability and love that they need. But it becomes quite a selfish thing, doesn't it, really? It's a case of what they want to do. They're not really interested in anybody else's uh, thoughts on it at all. Uh, other stories today. It was a lovely picture. I quite like it, actually, of a brazen bird stealing a nut from a squirrel. I mean, how you get a picture like this? I've got no idea. Uh, roast potatoes. It's the chef's tips for Christmas winners. Heston Blumenthal's turkey. Alex Hollywood's mince pies. Who's Alex Hollywood? Why do I... Sometimes they put these chefs' names in here. I don't know who they are. Uh, Jean-Christophe Novelli's Sprouts. Uh, Lorraine, chef, Dean Edwards. Who's Dean? I don't even know who these people... Alex... Alex Hollywood is Paul Hollywood's... Who's she? Fame by association, is it? Good Lord. And who's, who's Lorraine, chef, Dean Edwards? Who is he? I've got a picture of him. I'm none the wiser. He's done pigs in blankets, but I've got no idea. We're none. I'm none the wise. I don't, what does what Lorraine Chef? Is that, is that Lorraine the program? Oh right. Oh he's oh he's one of many on there. She uses loads of people. That's why nobody's heard of him. Dean. He does look like Peter Andre. That's a bit of an embarrassment, isn't it? Really. Nobody wants to look like Peter Andre. Uh, also the uh, the hairy bikers stuffing. I like the hairy bikers. And uh, Jamie Oliver's got his roast potatoes. He's got his roast potatoes, bless him. And um, he's got jamieoliver.com. He's got all his Christmas recipes on there and everything else. And um, he says, parboil your potatoes and dress them with goose fat. Gar- he's obsessed with his garlic. There's loads of garlic going on in their household over the uh, festive season. I don't think we've ever done garlic with our roast potatoes. I do like roast potatoes. I really do. I could I could happily live with roast potatoes, roast potatoes but as we discovered the other day, the pop-up restaurant... Finished last weekend. I was gonna. I thought I might have made a, might have made a date to go and have uh, roast potatoes. Uh, Debbie McGee says Paul is with me, giving me confidence. No, he's not. <laughs> What's it? <laughs> he does magic. He does magic. Actually, it seems funny as it because I mean Paul and I, you know, met on numerous occasions. He came in here on numerous occasions. He was just a magic nut, and uh, I like magic nuts. I like people like that. Uh, also, Polly Hudson is continuing with this. Uh, Posh and Megs, the ultimate celebrity BFFs. You seriously think that Victoria's going to be popping around? I thought up until now it was Harry and David Beckham, but they don't see each other all the time. In fact, they hardly ever see each other. And now, obviously, Victoria is offering advice to Meghan, an actress. And Victoria, you know, what does she know about anything like that? 
had. They say she gives hands. She doesn't. She did it a short while ago because it was a promotional thing and that was about as far as it went. Also, the Winter Fest mess. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, 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 dear. This is a winter festival that shut after it was dubbed a joke by parents to find out that the freezing weather had closed the ice rink and left Santa stuck on a motorway in the snow. Latest of flop festive fairs, children left in tears. Santa's grotto was empty. Sarah Louise Hill said she and her kids had walked miles and miles across a park in the snow to find the ice rink had melted. Well, that seems a bit silly, doesn't it, really? And um, Sarah said, for whoever was thinking of going to the Winter Fest at Crystal Palace, do not go. Because, to be honest with you, it looks like an absolute disaster. On Facebook, somebody said, closed. Winter Fest, what's next? The beach closed due to sand. A Winterfest spokesman promised to refund bookings in seven days and said that the closure was due to adverse weather conditions. What, you didn't expect it to be bad weather in winter? A bit odd, isn't it, really? We'll, we'll check. A Bromley Council spokesman said the contractor which runs Crystal Palace Park had contacted Winterfest to discuss the matter. Oh, I hope you get your uh, money back, ladies and gentlemen, I really do. A bit worrying if you don't, won't it, really? Uh, also, penmen investigating in the mirror. Always like these stories. This time, it's puppy farm horrors. You'll find lots of people offering puppies for sale over Christmas. Uh, you'll see adverts all over the place. Unless you can see the uh, the parents of the puppies, they're puppy farmed. They're brought over. They come crammed in the back of cages, many of them with illnesses for which they will not recover. You should never buy anything like this. You would have to be an animal hater to buy anything from a puppy farm, and you know if it's a puppy farm, if somebody starts advertising and go, oh, you know, we've just given birth and we've got, oh, the mother's not here at the moment, but we've got six uh, adorable little things, they're £600 each, don't touch them with a barge pole. You would have to be a fool, because many people go and buy these dogs. I've seen people actually walking out, strangely enough, with little tiny dogs, far too young to be out walking in this weather, far too young. They're supposed to be kept in and having not, people don't bother, they just see a little dog, don't they? Dies, it dies. The people who sell them couldn't care less either. They dump them by the roadside. If they die on their journeys over from Ireland and all sorts of places, then uh, that, that's just tough, isn't it? But it's a sad tale of suffering. And uh, if you buy one of these puppies, then more fool you. More fool you. Uh, wine glasses are now seven times bigger than in the past. Thank God for that. I do hate it when you go into a, into a bar. Not that I do bars very often, as you can imagine. And, uh, and they go... Um, Right, um, glass of wine? And they always go, as opposed to just a glass of wine, they go, small, medium, large. Unfortunately, I go large because it's, you know, it's a glass of wine. But now they're seven times bigger than they were in the past. Rivetingly exciting. Steve, take me high. It's on the London Live channel this Saturday lunchtime, uh, says Andy. I saw it last week, actually. I saw it on London Live last week, and that's what prompted me because I'd, I'd been trying to get it for years. I should have asked Cliff, actually. I'm sure he'd have had a, a copy. Bobbin Churchy says, I have it. I'll send it to you as a prezi. Thank you. And uh, Simply Entertainment for a Vicar of Dibley DVD box set, says Rachel. Thank you. Uh, what kind of cooking utensils does Jamie recommend? I don't know if he's got his own, Larry, whether he's got his own... Most, uh, most of the chefs on the television have their own. I bought one of his... Um, it's a deep frying pan the other day. It's very good. I bought it from Robert Dias. It was only like... 18 quid or something. Cheaper than that, I think. I'm pretty certain. Uh, can you ask Jamie if the diners in the Pier Cafe are from South End, says Tina. What Are you suspecting they're not? I like that bit, actually. I like it. They bring in people. Uh, Steve, if I saw a man wearing a pink Christmas jumper complete with fairy lights at the bus stop, I'd think he was a legend. 
says Suzanne. <laughs> I don't, really? He has got his own utensils. There you go. He's got his own utensils. Uh, and somebody else saying... Da, 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 da. Uh, the other one here says, Have you ever had tea on Burr Island? Beautiful Art Deco and Noel Coward and Agatha Christie would go there to escape the press, says Steve. Uh, right. Good, bad, sartorial, funny and indifferent. You read every tweet. Yep. We do, actually. We have to do things like that. That's what, you know, it's part of the contract. Of course, sometimes I sub things down. I always have to sub things down because I just don't have enough time. Sometimes somebody will write in and go, I, I don't think, I think you misconstrued it. I think, well, I don't want to talk to you ever again anyway, so we just ban them. And that solves that problem straight away. Uh, I'm with you, roast potatoes, says Rebecca. I could literally eat my body weight in roast potatoes. No garlic, though. I've never thought about garlic on roast potatoes. I just want them crispy. Hannah says, my husband has a rather loud sneeze. So much so, we've actually had a neighbour knocking to ask if he could keep the noise down. That's dreadful. You imagine, they hear, you must have very thin walls. They can hear a sneeze through the wall. Good Lord above, you must move out of that caravan. Make it so much easier. Move into a house, put bricks up or something like that. Terrible. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20-ish. Ish. We're not too worried about that. Uh, the son of smashed a plot to rig the third Ashes test. You know, I didn't realise that cricket was absolutely riddled with corruption. Absolutely riddled with corruption. There's, a, you know, years of paid cheating. And the son have done a, a list here. For example, uh, 1994. 1994. Shane Warne and Mark War caught selling pitch and team selection information to an Indian bookie. Both fined, but not banned. 2000. So this is why I get all my uh, my pronunciation terribly wrong, so you'll have to forgive me. South African skipper Hansi Kronje, oh, brilliant, there you go, exposed for match-fixing in one-day international series with India, admitted bookies paid him more than 75,000 to rig matches, got a life ban, teammates... He what? He died in a plane crash. Sounds a bit odd, doesn't it, really? Uh, also, teammates, Herschel uh, Gibbs... Thank you. Herschel Gibbs and Henry Williams handed two-year bans. Connie died in that plane crash, you know, in uh, 2002. 2008, the West Indian star Marlon Samuels convicted for leaking team tactics to an Indian bookie. Banned for two years, he denied it. It's rife, isn't it? I didn't realise. 2009, Essex County player Mervyn Westfield became the first English cricketer convicted of spot-fixing. He took six grand from an Indian bookie and was later jailed for fraud for four months. Teammate who's uh, Danish Canaria, is that right? Uh, accused of pressuring Westfield to accept the cash, got a lifetime ban. 2010, News of the World Sting caught Pakistani bookie Mazar Majid bribing Pakistani stars in spot-fixing racket. Captain Salman Butt was banned for 10 years, Mohammed Asif for 10 years, and fellow fast bowler Mohammed Amir for five years. And so it goes on. It's all Indian bookmakers, bent bookmakers. And here they are. They've smashed a plot to rig the third Ashes test. Now, to be, to be honest with you, I couldn't give a stuff about cricket or anything like that at all. I've always thought with the sport and there's money changing hands, there's going to be bent. There's going to be corruption. There's going to be something going on. So they've got these people here. Um, and it's going to be all sorts of things. Changing a glove is a signal from the batsman. It's a, It's corrupt. It's absolutely corrupt. They say here, I'll tell you this over, this many runs, you, you bet on it. It's, it's as simple as that. 
They just they just do it. Bookies offer fixes for 140,000. The dossier probed by the ICC chiefs. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I didn't realise that this is this is so big. The International Cricket Council, you might not have heard of them, but I promise you they exist, say the test hasn't been compromised at all. Oh, well, there you go. That's fine, isn't it? Oh, that's OK. Just push it to one side. There's one here. A bookie offering to rig three top cricket contests. A bid to form a corrupt new Zimbabwe league. I'll fix everything. The gang promises millions in bet payouts. The payments, they say, that can't be traced. And they've got uh, the money, where it goes to, where it arrives in, and who the, who the key players are. I mean, this is just absolutely appalling, isn't it? Absolutely appalling. But it goes on. Well, I should imagine it goes on everywhere. I mean, let's face it. Whoever would have thought, ladies and gentlemen, whoever would have thought that we'd end up with a huge boxing match with a bloke who's never boxed in his entire life putting himself down as a boxer? You remember, of course, so just going back to the cricket thing, that gambling is illegal in India, where cricket is almost, you know, a religion. And if people bet on it, that's where all the money is. So that breeds illegal gambling instead. And that's what happens. And you get corruption. You get corruption for all these things. And people will, will actually go out there and they will, they will actually take money from people. If, if you take legit bookmakers out, you're left with the bent bookmakers. I mean, it's appalling. It's absolutely, I mean, it, I didn't realise it was so... I don't even watch cricket. Ever since I was at school and I was in tears when somebody said to me, you're a bit silly mid-on. I thought, well, that was it. That was it. I decided I was having nothing more to do with the game. Until I got bored, actually, playing cricket. He was just send me to go and stand on the outside. I just get, Nobody's going to hit the ball over here and blow me down. They didn't. You know, and also they go, Steve, 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 what, what, what? Oh, God, missed it again. You know, the sun's in my eyes. I couldn't see anything. I hated it. I, could always, I wanted to be a bowler. I wanted to be a bowler, but, I mean, bowling underhand looked a bit naff. You know, I agree. Uh, Peter Kay in all the papers today. Also, uh, that's Cobblers. By the way, that's not Peter Kay, that's the shoe boss. The boss of Timpson's shoe repair chain. I didn't even know there was a boss of Timpson's shoe repair chain who put the boot into Virgin Trains for stranding his daughter in a ticket row. <gasps> Love a ticket row. Love a ticket row. Schoolgirl Neem Timpson was trying to get home from a day out with pals in London when an inspector accused her at the barrier of being too old for a child ticket. Dad James Timpson as you can imagine, vented his rage, uh, rage on Twitter. And she was left stuck at Euston, 180 miles away from their home in Cheshire. The inspector even scrawled on her ticket, £41.95, not a child. Oh, I'd have had him over a barrel on that one. Absolutely. The Twitter spat in which her dad branded the rail operator a disgrace. Saw the firm cave in and allow her onto another train. Mr Timpson, who's a millionaire, but that doesn't make any difference, later tweeted to followers... As he kept them updated, good news just picked up Neem on from Cruise Station. Yesterday he slammed the appalling ordeal. She'd been to Winter Wonderland. Obviously nothing going on in Cheshire. You have to come down to London for it. Uh, he said they sold her the child's ticket in the first place and they wouldn't let her use it. The ticket guards are not nice people. Virgin Trains said if a child looks older, uh, it may be appropriate for proof of age to be carried. And I have to be honest, I mean, you know, whilst I think it's appalling that somebody wrote on it, not a child. I mean, sometimes you look at children nowadays, and I mean, even people listening, you would have to agree with me, that sometimes a 15-year-old, they're, they're drinking in pubs at 15. You know why? Because they look older. They can print fake ID off on the internet. It's easy to do. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Even I could probably manage it, but I wouldn't bother. It's a bit pointless at my age. But that's what people do now. They print off fake ID and somebody goes, how old are you? And they go, 18. 
You go, I don't think you're 18. And then you actually check and you discover they're 14. They just look bigger. Look at Mandy Smith. She was out dating at 13 because she was tall. Well, you have to check Mandy Smith out on Google if you want to, uh, to know about that. Uh, also, Tesco to be sued over fake farm tag. This is by a farmer from the real-life version of one of its own brands. The owner of Woodside Farm. That sounds quite nice. I like the sound of that. Woodside Farm. Makes it sound a bit sort of cosy. Uh, claims to sell better quality pork than the supermarket giant, which has used the same name since 2016. Uh, Richard Bohr is being backed by the charity Feedback. He said, we've been raising pigs for 20 years. Customers were asking all the time whether we were supplying Tesco. We don't. Tesco replaced its everyday value range last year with seven made-up brands, including uh, Redmere Farms for vegetables and Woodside. Critics say it's a ruse similar to that used by rivals to make food look locally produced. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, we've done this before. I mean, Oakham Chicken from Marks and Spencer's doesn't exist. There is no place called Oakham where the chicken comes from. They just made it up to make you go, ah, that's that's really nice. No, chicken ain't from there at all, I'm afraid. But that's what happens, and you've got loads of them. Uh, Tesco's false farm brands, OK, ready? These are fake. They sell it under this brand, but it's just a name they've given it. Willow Farms for chicken. Doesn't exist. OK, it's made up. Boswell Farms for beef. Made up. It's a fake name. Woodside Farms for pork. Not the Woodside Farm we know. Redmere Farms for vegetables. Suntrail Farms for imported fruit. Rosedean Farms for berries, apples and pears. And Nightingale Farms for salad. All made up. All fake. They're fake names. There is no such place as Willow Farm, where your chicken is happily wandering around by itself. It doesn't exist, OK? That's what they do. They all do it. Every supermarket's got a load of names that they're probably copyrighted. And uh, as I say, the only one I can think of is Oakham Chicken. Because I remember thinking, oh, that's nice. It's their own place. No, it's a load of old cobblers. Just made up, isn't it? Uh, Steve, hi, T, after Fondant Fancy. I don't do Fondant Fancy. You should know, actually. If you've listened to this programme for any more than an hour and a half, I don't do cakes. I'm a savoury person. I'm not remotely... I could sit down with afternoon tea and not be remotely interested. Not be remotely interested. So, uh, you know, I'm afraid you've lost out on that one and you've been removed. Uh, Steve, staff are now required by law to offer you the smallest size glass and other options. Uh, it came in about four or five years ago, I think. Well, but what's the point? I know they're supposed to, they don't because no, who asked for a small glass of wine? Come on, come on, nobody does that anymore, do they? You're going out somewhere, you want to have a few glasses. And also, the idea is if you buy a bigger glass, you don't have to keep going back to the bar again. You know, if you buy a little glass, you're gone. I've got a friend of mine, if ever you go out with him, and you won't because you don't know him, I'm just telling you, um, you will discover that he, he buys a Diet Coke or fizzy drink and uh, he drinks it in one, so it's gone completely, whereas I, I sort of sip a drink. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't buy a little glass of wine. That seems a bit silly. Mind you, I haven't been out for wine for ages and ages. So uh, we can't make our own minds up, says, uh, says Ben. See, Steve, spread potatoes with Marmite, says Darren in Newquay. Ooh, dear, how ghastly. No, definitely not. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, you could print off fake ID and get away with free travel as a child. Oh, hang on. You already get free travel. I know, I know. Especially yesterday, not only do I get free bus, I get free train, overground trains. I get all of these sort of things. I quite enjoy it, actually. I look at it as a little perk. I don't get many perks in life. I get little perks. And that's that's one of my little perks is to get free train. I like sort of on the bus. Sometimes it doesn't work. And I show it to him and go, ta-da. 
I've discovered now, actually, somebody let me on the bus before them the other day. They must have thought, like, really ancient. I've, they went, no, after you. And Thank you, young man, I said, trying to sound as old as possible. Uh, Steve, the fried turkey is horribly unhealthy. I never had it and never will, says Grace. I think fried turkey sounds quite nice. Could you not do a turkey burger? I'll tell you what I really like. I've never found a fish and chip shop to do it yet. I've, we've had sausages in batter. I still have a beef burger in batter. Or a spam fritter. Spam fritter? Might have to have a word with our local fish and chip shops in Twickenham. See if we can get some beef burgers in batter going. Ooh, that's really bad. I mean, that, that you can see the fat dripping off. Seriously. And uh, Rebecca says, I just get the bottle. I know, that seems... Because people say, um, glass of Prosecco... Let's have the bottle. It's easier, isn't it, that way? So much easier. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Thank you to Paula in Warrington, who makes lovely cards. Very lovely card. Nice 3D card there. Very pretty. Very clever. Very time-consuming, I should imagine. Do you see the programme the other day, Tamara Eccleston? She's confused over Christmas, but there again, I should imagine just waking up is confusing for Tamara Eccleston. She's quite mad. And, um, and she was going, I don't know what to do for Christmas because my daughter wants a unicorn. I mean, I, I know, I thought the same thing. I, thought, I did actually worry about the fact that maybe she thought you could actually buy unicorns or something like that. But um, it's a little bit worrying. She is facing a difficulty. So her daughter, who's three, wants a real unicorn. Eccleston... I mean, seriously, you might as well ask the wall. She's that balmy. Uh, told Hello magazine that her daughter, Sophia, whose nickname's Fifi, I know, uh, has asked for one gift that money certainly can't buy. She said, it's a bit of a tricky one because she's asking for a real unicorn. I'm not sure what to do. Tell her they don't exist here. What, are you stupid or something? What, are you mad? What, are you, what are you pretending they exist, are you? They say the TV star and socialite. I'm sorry, we talk about Tamara Eccleston here, the thick woman who doesn't know what toast is. So she's come up with a plan. She says, a friend told me about a book where it says that unicorns can't be captured, so I think I'll have to buy it and read it to her. What? Are you completely off your chump or something? What is going on? Anyway, she said, it's nice for traditions to be passed down. I know, if only brains had been passed down to you, dear, that would have been so much easier, wouldn't it? But um, she said, of her own Christmas wish list... The, t- the 33-year-old said, Jay and I, you can't talk like that, all right? I've decided not to go nuts with stuff for ourselves. Although Jay is so thoughtful and sweet, and he always gets things that are personalised or mean something. Like a unicorn, I suppose. The most romantic thing he's ever done was last Christmas. He made me... <laughs> sorry. He made me a DVD of when I was pregnant, when Fifi was born, and the first few years of her life with music and stuff. And he's edited it all together with footage from our camcorder. Gifts like that are way nicer to me than, say, an handbag. Yeah, sounds like a cheap gift, love. He's obviously fending you off with some old tat. I mean, God in heaven, honestly. Mind you, this is a woman living in a £70 million house with 50 servants. As we said, even Downton Abbey, Highclere Castle, only has 14 full-time staff, so quite clearly somebody's ripping somebody off. Nick Ferrari is with you at breakfast this morning, the award-winning Nick Ferrari. Theresa May suffered her first Commons defeat since taking over as PM after MPs voted to give themselves, rather than the government, a final say over any Brexit deal. Now, was that a victory for democracy or another attempt to stop us leaving the EU? Plus, LBC will bring you special coverage of the six-month anniversary of the Grenfell Tower tragedy today. Nick will speak to a firefighter who was part of the recovery operation who believes Tory MPs should be dragged to the tower to remind them of the effects of austerity. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari. 
this morning at seven with breakfast here on LBC. Can it really be six months? Can it really be six months? Every time I drive past that, I can look. Th- and I, I don't, are they not covering it up, are they yet? There's some cranes around it. I don't know what they're going to do to it. I don't know whether or not the idea is to take it down completely or re- I mean, they can't just leave it there, can they? Is that, I mean, is that the idea? Or are they going to put something over it? Or is that disrespectful? I mean, to be honest, I don't know the answer to those things. Hopefully, either Nick Ferrari or James O'Brien this morning will come up with, a, with an answer, because I think James O'Brien's actually coming live from Grenfell Tower. So, I mean, I don't know if he's been down there before, but if, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's quite something. It's quite something. I you really think how many people lost their, lost their lives. Uh, also in the papers for today, Robbie Williams revealing his secret brain hell. My uh, brain hell. There's always something about Robbie Williams. It's never just something straightforward, is it? You know, why don't you just get out there and sing and down the waterfall for the rest of your life, and we'll be quite happy. We don't. He was he was dropping hints the other day that um, he wants to do a reality show with his wife. I can't think of anything more boring in my entire life. I think he's he's sort of underestimate. I think you know they sort of go, yeah, it's Robbie Williams, and you go, he hasn't a decent record out for ages. I mean, it's almost like he's a, he's a dinosaur. Looking at this chippy's dinner in batter, this is a guy called Andrew Marshall. He serves a chicken leg with sprouts, carrots, pigs in blanket and stuffing, all covered in batter. A chicken leg. That's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? Customers can also tuck into a potato and gravy bomb. For dessert, a battered mince pie. The meal totals an artery-clogging 1,300 calories and costs nine ninety five. He runs the uh, fish bar in a place called... Colompton in Devon. He says it's, it sounds disgusting, actually. He aims to cook battered haggis for Burns Night and battered cream eggs at Easter. Oh, my God, Father. I mean, it, it, you know, I'm sure if you like this kind of thing, I'm looking at the, the gravy bombs and the stuffing. Do you know the mince pie is 265 calories? We mustn't eat them. The chicken leg is 300 calories. And uh, the sprouts are 70. Oh, there's me thinking you could eat sprouts forever. So it's deep fried, crisp and even. Probably a joke there somewhere, I should imagine, isn't there? Uh, also, little outfits here. This is uh, Santa outfits that little Megan could perhaps wear to impress the Queen. She could dress up as somebody. And uh, the Queen would go, lovely, lovely. So, um, uh, would you like to come to Canada? Would you uh, come and meet my folks? I don't think so, dear, no. No, you're just marrying him. You're not marrying us. <laughs> uh, little Toffolo, 13 grand. What's coming known as cheap. And uh, here she is. And uh, she's going to go from here to where? No idea. Uh, Deck went back to his home in West London. And uh, Kezia has had a written warning about time too. When somebody tells you to do something, sweet cheeks, do it. Don't think you're cleverer than that because you're not. We've seen a few erstwhile politicians tottering out to the jungle. You contribute nothing. That's why you were kicked out. Oh, by the way, there's a uni that's told its students, can you not say white snow? racist. <laughs> Sorry to say that. I didn't think I'd ever hear that. You can't say white snow now. Somebody actually uh, wrote in uh, and complained about it. And so they're, they're very sorry. They said, we'll choose our words more carefully in the future. Hundreds attacked their responses. Somebody says, what, are you mad? What has managed to convince you that they were offended? Because some idiot wrote in and went, I think you'll find white snow is offensive. Grow up. Grow up, child. Grow up. Have you ever heard of such a stupid thing, honestly? What sort of people are at uni now? Drunks, ladies and gentlemen. My friend, says Eve in Romford, is 45. And she still gets asked for ID when purchasing alcohol. I've never been asked. I've never been asked for ID. Bit depressing. The uh, 
It's a, it's a great look, she says. Uh, Sandy in Peterborough says, was it flu? No, it's not flu. Just a, just a throat infection. Uh, not all the farm brands are fake at Tesco, uh, says Claire. I didn't say they were. I just said I read out a list. You must listen more carefully, Claire. OK, when I read something out, I read it intentionally so that people don't become a bit stupid and misinterpret. OK, so I didn't say that they were all fake. I read out a list of the fake ones. OK, just in case you're obviously not of this real world. That daft article that wants a unicorn, buy her a, a rhino and spray it pink. Says she, she's, she's so simple. It's, it's, almost, it's almost embarrassing, really. You begin to wonder. This is the same woman who didn't know what toast was. I mean, she really did. She didn't know it was bread. Put in it. She seriously. I didn't think anybody could be that dim, but apparently you can be. Yes. Oh, why not a toaster for Christmas? But he's bought her something cheap because, to be honest with you, the vulgar money that they're splashing. Nobody gives a stuff about how much money she's got. I couldn't care less. But don't ram it down people's throats, dear. It just makes you look a bit thick. Okay. Tea at the Ritz, real treat, especially little sandwiches, says uh, Fion. Yes. In fact, they all do. Nobody does big sandwiches. Nobody, you go to afternoon tea anywhere, doesn't matter where it is, whether it's uh, Claridge's or the Goring or, you know, the Intercontinental or, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of all the different hotels we've eaten in. Loads of them, in on the park, places like that. It's all little sandwiches. They, they cut the crusts off. Delish. You could just eat sandwiches. Just eat. I always thought that when you went for afternoon tea, you just ate the sandwiches and you moved on to the cakes. No, if you want to order more sandwiches, you order more sandwiches. It's very lovely. You're paying for it, but it's lovely. Uh, Steve at home in Scotland a particular favourite of my eldest son is a battered and deep fried slice of pizza oh dear I'm not sure about that you're 56 Nigel if you want to live to 57 I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole pizza's fattening enough as it is without it being deep fried I mean that's just that's that's an artery buster that is real. that's a really terrible thing to have I mean listen I'm I'm no paragon of virtue when it comes to eating all the uh, the wrong sort of food and uh, Jim says, you paid for your OAP pass all your life, so it's not a treat, you've earned it. But it is a bit of a treat. I look on it as a treat. I seriously do. I mean, I also carry a normal card. I've got the, uh, the freebie card, and then I've got the, uh, the other one. Because there are certain times I can't use the overground trains. If it's before 9.30, I can't use it. So sometimes I sort of drag it out. I'm not that bothered about it. It's only a four-quid journey or something like that. I don't mind. doesn't make any difference at all. Um, Steve... Is it the age for child-rate train tickets under 16? What shocked me was parents allowing somebody under the age of 16 travelling to London. Uh, I wouldn't have been allowed to do that journey, says Christy. Oh, God, listen, they go on holiday by themselves now. That's nothing, I should imagine. She didn't come down by herself. She'd have been with her friends. You know, you, you get them going down. They go, we're in Cheshire. Uh, let's go and buy £45. That friend of mine can get down from Manchester cheaper on return. But Cheshire, it's uh, obviously 45 quid. Perhaps she went first class or something. And um, have you heard that? I'll tell you what I've heard a lot recently. You get on the bus and you're sitting there and then somebody gets on with a buggy. And sometimes it's OK. Other times they're a bit selfish. A little bit selfish. You have to sort of watch them. And uh, a driver pushes a button which goes... Would you please remain with your child's buggy for safety? Because some of them just go and sit down and leave the kids sitting there. You feel like saying, excuse me, get off. It's like the people who put a bag next to them on the seat. They're quite clearly not going to... I make a move. I make it. Excuse me, can you move your bag? Oi, move your bag. Oh, sorry, you are the bag. I do beg your pardon. 84850, Danny and Rayleigh says Warburton's crumpets are the best. Actually, I like anybody's... I couldn't care less. They all taste the same to me. What did I have the other day? A pikelet. You ever had a pikelet? That's like sort of a, an elongated crumpet. Like a, it's quite, they're quite nice, actually. I think Warburton's do those as well. Very nice. Uh, and Angela says, I'm nearly 50 and still get asked for ID. No, you don't, 
stop telling fibs. They're asking you for your pensioner card. That's what they're asking you for. 50 and still get asked for ID. Mike in Norwich says, I've been asked twice for ID in the last year at Waitrose in Norfolk. I'm 46. What is it? Where are these people coming from? What is happening this morning? He says, I'm missing my wrinkles is one thing, but I really, I wondered if they'd be happy if I called to take their 17-year-old daughter out. Actually, somebody did that the other day. Did you read that dreadful story of a daughter who was uh, being talked to online by a man who I think was in his late 30s and he pretended to be 19. Parents took him on holiday till they suddenly realised that we had all those asylum seekers, didn't we? Sorry, how old are you? 14. Oh, you're not. Don't be so silly. I'm 14. No, you're not. You look about 42. Very worrying. Very worrying. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Every time I see Chris Akabusi on the television, he's wearing another comedy outfit. Today he's reviewing the papers for, bless their hearts, Sky News. And I think he's obviously got himself a job on the door of the Dorchester, opening cabs for people. I've never seen such a ridiculous outfit. Where do you get this rubbish? He's reviewing the papers. Oh, perhaps he's doing... He's probably going from here, from pantomime, isn't he? Everybody seems to be doing pantomime at the moment. They've all started, which is all good news. Good news that you've joined us uh, this morning. Uh, There is a programme, you're quite right, Winnie, on uh, Channel 4 at 9pm this Sunday. It's called Inside Bentley. He said, it looks like your sort of programme. Yes, I marked it down, don't worry. Uh, I bet Mr Neil will also be watching it. I think so as well. Uh, Ron in Pitsy says, uh, can you say happy birthday to one of your most loyal fans, Carol? I don't say how old she is. Why? What is it? It's funny, isn't it? You know, when you, 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 I thought about this a short while ago because I'm a member of a, of a show business um, uh, organisation. And uh, I went there years and years ago. And people go, you know, you, you say to a lady, uh, how old are you? And they go, <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Because people are very coy. Between the ages of 30 and 50, people don't tell you. Beyond 70, they can't... I'm 93. They can't wait to tell you. Seriously. And you go, 90, you should be dead. And they, they sort of... They go, you know, I'm 87. Are you... People always say that, don't they? And yet you ask somebody who's 55, how old are you? <laughs> how old do you think I am? I don't know, 70, 80? I'm useless at things like that. There used to be a man in Covent Garden some years ago, and he would guess your age. He would look at you and write on, on a piece of paper and then say, how old are you? And you'd go, in my case, you know, much younger. And he and he'd, he'd got the age right every time. So obviously I look my age, which I find dreadfully depressing. Who wants to, it's like when people say you look your age. Well, what does that mean? I don't want to look modern. I mean, I don't know. Are you supposed to change? You get to a certain age and all of a sudden you go to your wardrobe and go, these clothes are too young for me. I must throw them out and wear some old men's clothes. I should shuffle around with an old Mac on. I've already started wearing a flat cap. Don't just keep my head warm. And it's quite. And if it rains as well, you don't have to stand there with a silly umbrella. You feel a bit, a bit of a buffoon, don't you? And so, you know, I've got my flat caps and I quite like them. And I've started, I think I've kind of grown into my body. Well, certain bits of my body, I think. Mark and Michelle are back together. That's so sweet, isn't it? It's a lovely staged picture in the, uh, the paper. Jonathan Shallot, I know, will be out in Barbados for Christmas. He likes Barbados for Christmas which I always think is, uh, is quite sweet. He always sends me a thing saying, I'm off for Christmas in Barbados, because he works very hard throughout the year. And uh, he'll always be... Th- he just likes to relax, I think. He's one of those sort of people who sort of likes to put... It- if you don't know who he is, you have to Google him, because he knows just about everybody, just about everybody. And he was telling me the, uh, the other day, when he was sort of saying, ah, right, off to Barbados. And I was thinking, how nice. I'm not sure I could do that. I can't, I can't sort of do feet up kind of holidays I'm just not not very good I get bored I get really bored I, I wouldn't know what to what what to do 
I sit, you know, I mean, I'm, I can't sit on a sun lounger because I'm rubbish at sitting on sun loungers. And, and then I sort of think, well, what, what else would I do on holiday? And I go, nothing. I don't want to go swimming in the sea because I think that's, that's just not my kind of thing. I'm also worried as well. I'm petrified of, um, of sort of sharks. And I know it sounds a bit stupid, actually, but I'm petrified of anything from under the sea. Uh, also, his, his mother-in-law, Carmel Clayton, listens to this programme, so I wish you compliments of the season. But uh, Professor Jonathan Shallot is off to, uh, to Barbados, as indeed they all are. All the well-heeled go to Barbados. They all go to a very famous hotel over there, and, uh, and they just have a nice time. It's an opportunity to relax, be themselves. It's a very difficult thing in this day and age, isn't it? Uh, somebody says, uh, this is Angela. I mean, oh, that's right, the 50, 50-year-old asked for ID. Would you stop it, honestly? Honestly, I've never heard of such a thing in my life. And um, talking of uh, clothes, says Stuart Manning, where do you get your Hawaiian shirts from? America. They're Tommy Bahamas. And then I have them <laughs> DHL'd over. Is it DHL I'm using? I can't remember who I had them sent out. It is. And, uh, and I go and collect them. Because I've got people who listen, thank God. But uh, yes, I get them from Tommy Bahamas. You order them online, and then you do- they're not cheap, not cheap, but they're 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 very nice. And I- and honestly, I promise you, I've got some that are about ten years old. They look as fresh as a daisy. Or perhaps that's just me being a little bit delusional. Uh, Steve, forty nine years old. I was refused alcohol twice in Tesco and once in Asda over the same six months. My mate had to buy it for me, and he's ten years younger. Says Colin. I've got witnesses. Rubbish. I've never heard such a load of old toffee in my entire life. Mind you, people do... Didn't we have that woman and she was uh, she was a pensioner or something? They asked her in Tesco or something like one of the supermarkets. I'm sorry, do you have any ID? And she went, I'm a pensioner. They went, yeah, but do you have any ID? Because they're not very bright, are they? Some people on the, t- on the tills. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, right, we'll go. Do, we'll do the, uh, the front. Oh, just realised we could do the front pages of the papers, haven't we? Really, just to make sure you know exactly what's going on in the world, and uh, and to uh, to find out what's happening. Front page of the Sun. Uh, they've got Robbie in secret intensive care. Hell, okay. I'm more interested in the plot to fix the ashes, but they've they've smashed it at the Sun. So well done, Peter K. Is the Daily Mirror. The picture main page is Peter K. and Jamie Oliver. The Top Chef's Top Tips for Christmas. Jamie Oliver holding a big bird in his hands. There's a joke. I'm not doing it. Not on this programme. Uh, and Peter Kay, I'm very sorry. He's apologised to 1.7 million fans as he's called off his tour for family reasons. But we don't know what it is. We're just assuming it's something really terrible because for him to not want to do something has got to be really serious, hasn't it? Uh, the Daily Mail today. Proud of yourselves. Die-hard Tory Remainers. Accused of treachery. After siding with Labour to defeat Theresa May, and they've listed the people, Dominic Grieve, Anna Soubry, Ken Clark, Nicky Morgan, Antoinette Sandback, Jonathan uh, DeJoli, Sir Oliver Heald, Bob Neal, Heidi Allen and Stephen Hammond. So there they all are. Named and shamed. Daily Express this morning, outrageous rebellion by 11 stubborn Tory MPs, threatens Brexit chaos. Millions face pension crisis. Britain's warned they're not saving enough. We don't save enough, do we? We don't, we don't save. I don't know why we don't save enough. Why do we not save enough? We should save. We've got to save. I know it's difficult. It's not easy. And of course, this is the worst time of the year to start saying to people, oh, by the way, you need to start saving. Because people say, um, well, you know, there's a lot of demands. Got to get the food in. Got to get the presents. Got to get the tree. Got to get 
loads and loads of things. And you think, yeah, but you can still save a little bit. Daily Star fears for Peter Kay. It's uh, all 110 tour dates have been cancelled. Uh, also, Holly and her Jedi boobs. She made a complete mistake and gave away a, a storyline in the new Star Wars film. I mean, what on earth possessed her to do that? I can't imagine. Uh, Tory rebellion on the front page of The Guardian humiliates the PM on the Brexit bill. I'm no cheat, says Froome, after failing drug test. Front page of The Telegraph. It's mutiny in the Commons as May sets sail for key Brussels talks. Uh, also, uh, what's this other one here? This is Kathleen Turner. Hollywood couldn't cope with my illness. And Boris attacks the London mayor for failing to help the Grenfell victims. I can't believe that six months on, there are still people living in... A comp- they haven't even found places for them to live. They haven't even done that. Why are, we, why are we dragging our heels over this? How much longer does it take? The answer is obviously quite a lot. Uh, gender-neutral bank calls time on the city gent. The Bank of England has promised to banish gendered language from its rule books, stopping the use of masculine words such as chairman and grandfathering. Oh, dear God, in heaven, honestly. It goes from bad to ridiculous, doesn't it? And ridiculous would just about sum it up. Uh, the Times, Revenge of the Rebels, and here they are. Vote on the amendments to the bill, 3094, 305 against. Uh, women feel more unhappy than men until they reach their mid-80s. Well, there you go. There you go, your mid-80s. God, I've never even thought about it before. But uh, I think we covered everything today. Stephen Hawking, mad as anything. Aliens are on the way, batten down the hatches. Also, the um, the Stefan Dom, snubbing celebrity Big Brother. Well, they, they just don't want to do it because it's rubbish. I thought it was an all-female version anyway, so what would they be doing on it? Yeah, celebrate the suffragettes or something. Rubbish, isn't it? It'll be the usual bunch of no-hope. People you've never heard of. It'll be something ridiculous like Amy Lame. That one. The Night Czar. Has she done anything? Hello? I'm not actually sure whether or not she's actually worth the money. It was all hailed with a bit of trumpeting. And then it all sort of disappeared. Uh, TV chef's top tips for Christmas. You're going to find them all over the papers. Scientists who've discovered this shark, thought to be 512 years old. I think I've worked with a few like that. Uh, Georgie Toffolo is back to prove she's not classy at all. She's just an, she's just an average little person. That's it. Nothing particularly exciting. We've had the one from Gogglebox. Oh, I like the one from Gogglebox who was doing Panto and got dropped. It's like drink problem. It's like drink problem. Uh, also, don't check your work emails at home. It's very bad for your health. Don't. I shan't do it at all. Piers Morgan's had a bumper pay rise and um, locked up the drone gang who flew 1.2 million quid's worth of drugs into jails. I always love a good... Perhaps they like the company of other men. It's a bit difficult to tell, really, isn't it? But they're all in the papers today and all for you to enjoy. And we'll be back again with you tomorrow morning. Have a fantastic... Thursday. There's another reason, of course, to download the LBC iPhone app, as well as listening to LBC wherever you are. You can now listen back to this and all of our other programmes from the last week for free on our new catch-up feature. You just download the new LBC iPhone app, click on catch-up at the bottom. It's as simple as that. Coming up at 10 o'clock this morning, James O'Brien will be live from Grenfell Tower, six months on from that deadly fire. Before that, the award-winning With Breakfast on LBC, Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.